0: Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number forty-six, which is our time travel part two. Yes, those of you who have enjoyed uh, Martini Giant, you know that uh, on episode seven, a very popular episode, we talked about time travel. We mentioned we will mention other time travel films later. So this is our time travel part two, and we will probably have a part three and a part four, etc., etc., etc. But forty-six uh, is time travel part two, and we decided to cover. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola's 1986 film Peggy Sue Got Married, starring Nicolas Cage and Kathleen Turner, paired with the 1998 film by Gary Ross Pleasantville, starring Reese Witherspoon and Tobey Maguire. And you might argue that Pleasantville is technically not time travel, but it's about people going back to a time in the 1950s. It seems to be a popular destination. So popular that we bring up one of the most popular time travel films of all time, Back to the Future, several times. So Back to the Future is really kind of a sister episode here um, about going back to the 50s. Because somehow it's a popular destination because it is a time when America thought it was great. And people want to seem to go back to when they thought America was great. I think you guys are going to where I'm getting what I'm talking about here. Uh, So 1950s and why is that a popular destination in sci-fi films? Both these films are absolutely fantastic. We have very different reads on them. I think they're really, really good. I'm extremely excited about talking about it. And since it is, um, believe it or not, uh, related, a lot to, related a lot to some of the context and things we're talking about in popular culture, um, I want to make sure we guys know that we recorded this episode back at the end of June, just before 4th of July, so that can give a little bit of context in terms of timing. Uh, a lot of things have happened, including the fact that uh, since this episode, we're slowly, slowly starting to get better uh, with our audio recording, so... Uh, You guys, I know I've been harping on the fact that some of the audio is not as sharp as it used to be. We're getting there. doesn't matter. You guys will forgive me. Uh, Also, uh, I talk a lot about fishing, believe it or not, in this episode. And I want you to know that I am still very, very passionate about fishing. And in fact, I talk about how I'm getting better and I've gotten so much better now. I'm absolutely passionate about fishing and it's something that's happened to me during COVID is to actually uh, gain an incredible passion for this thing. So you guys don't need to know about it, but I love it. Anyway, um, time travel is basically a metaphor uh, in in movies. And the metaphor is to be uh, happy about your present and happy about the things that are going on in your life right now and embrace them and enjoy them. So, I want to make sure that you guys are doing that, and uh don't be nostalgic for the past, uh, and these films, I think are a great illustration of that. so that being said, please enjoy time travel part two yeah it's been what three or four months since we've been yeah able to hang out and now you feel the, do you guys feel like we're like oh we're we're back to square one like like back in yep. March
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: because people so. fucked up because people weren't listening to eric shealy when he said wear your fucking mask this is truth. and uh i you know what eric i'm gonna say it again you were right no one's listening <laughs> though that's the problem
2: no it's one's just, uh it's uh, just a lot of low voltage people
3: so it's uh yeah, that's you know. the sad truth of it
2: That is the sad truth man
0: it's it's but the minute the minute they politicized this whole thing, I was like, "Oh, we're fucked." Yep. We're fucked. Yep.
2: Yeah. And,
0: you know, I, I heard, I heard, I heard. Uh, I was watching videos of of these um, hardcore Trump supporters in uh, town halls yelling at the commissioner, saying, "You can't force me to wear a mask, like I'm the Taliban." <laughs> <laughs> <And> like, <laughs>
1: well.
3: we can look at that
0: Like, oh my god
3: (laughs) what let's cut them the benefit of the doubt let's give them the benefit of the doubt and cut them some slack and let's imagine that actually these are performance artists and they've just told the funniest joke in the world
2: (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's that would be nice
3: (laughs) that would be a lovely way to think
0: (laughs) that would be nice
3: yeah oh it was actually Miranda July oh okay no that was hilarious (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good one Miranda <laughs> good one uh. no real person would say something so dumb <laughs> yeah yep. but I agree it is the, uh, the politicization is the poison that is in our system it's expressing itself through coronavirus um, yeah but that's why this is happening to us and it's maddening and what's, what's sort of doubly maddening is that uh, the politicization uh, is heightened due to everyone um, staying on Facebook all day because of coronavirus. So it's right. a ping-pong effect of, uh, of arguing back and forth, getting really high, you know, hot under the collar, and then saying, I'm not going to wear my goddamn mask. I look at all these anti-mask memes, and I'll show them.
0: <clears throat> there you go. And and the minute I say anything, that says, "Hey, hold on a second. oh my God, they come down on me hard. Like I should actually just stop doing that. Hmm. But like there's some there's people that are putting up these like, look at all this stuff that's about coronavirus. It's like, well, look, did you check the facts on that graph that you're putting up there? It's a graph. <clears> it's gotta and be I'm, true. You know, I'm talking about. <laughs> most of my friends are much more on the on the on the on the left, shall we say? Right. And then we're like. But, you know, if you're going to talk about facts, at least put some things that are you, you've checked.
3: <laughs> yes. You know, I don't say yes. the science yeah.
0: is like the science is there's a lot of missing ingredients in the science you're talking about. And like, uh, and then they're like, well, it's not about that. It's about information. It's like, it's not about the science. It's about information. I was like.
1: But, oh, that's, it's about <laughs> let's, the
0: let's start with science <laughs> let's
3: start with science it really is about the science. and not just try to
0: make your point with facts
3: yeah
0: whether out of you know, context you yeah. want to call them facts exactly. or not or exactly. missing information right. it's like this to start with some science yeah. and don't just start throwing things up there because obviously the the you're putting this up there as a political agenda item to make so, it's like but i don't know it's like there's there's other ways of doing things, I think, that are like, you know, just wear your mask, stay at home, right. and only go out if you need to, and that's going to help the country. Somehow everyone else in the fucking, you know, in the EU has figured this out.
3: Why haven't we, you know? Because it's against the uh, goddamn rights can't just go and take my stuff and make me yeah, do we things. We take our freedom very seriously here. <laughs> I'm sorry I do the southern accent in order to indicate. Yeah, I noticed wrong. that. That's a bad thing for me. It's good. Yeah. Um, but I do try to notice it when I do it, and, um, and I'm trying to, trying to pull back on it. But it is also true that this is happening largely in southern states because southern states are largely republican. And the current – I have nothing against republicanism, but the current state of it is a disease in itself. Like, it's a self-reinforcing – virus and uh yes and it is really causing actual
0: damage remember that when they first enforced seatbelts in cars people were really pissed off and they were cutting their seatbelts out of their
2: cars and it's
0: it's, think about that and how stupid that was and how much we would laugh at those people for cutting out their seatbelts in their cars
3: right same situation yeah and the and this is the, the thing is like what I try to do in reality, I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm harsh and I'm pretty severely here in the, in the opener, but it's just like, in reality, like I try to think of people that, uh, you know, that, are, that, are, that are part of the problem that is happening as they're infected by Trump's ideas, you know, and that we should look to try to save them from the infection that they have and have at least sympathy and empathy for the fact that they don't know that they're actually harming themselves. Um, which is actually the case because, like, I think they're, on the, on the left actually, side no, as well, no.
0: they're 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 not actually. It's not Trump that's doing it. Trump is Trump is just Trump is being so unbelievably outrageous that it's actually like. Whatever, right. it's it's actually the the media yes. and and their, and their social media feed that's yeah. that's helping us, right? Yeah, and which is so, the power so that Trump has. Is their me- the media, their media is Fox News, right. and their media is basically telling them to be angry and hate everyone. Right. That's telling them what to do, right? And right? Th- so that's
3: that's the issue th- is that Trump understands that that's like the best way to control people is to make groups fight, right? And so he says and does oh, yeah. outlandish he things loves it. all the time. Because that makes, uh, that baits the liberals and it uh, and it and it's funny that the liberals freak out uh, to the Republicans and the Republicans uh, love hating on the liberals and everybody fights and nothing gets done and all that stuff. So, and like in everyday politics, yeah, okay, that can be a good time spent on Facebook. But what it's turned into is we've run headlong into an actual virus, not just a social virus. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, And it's being... Expressed in people being infected and dying, um, as the result of basically um, being politicized, and that's right. where we got to. Yeah, that's where we got to call the line. And I and I say it too, like because I'm, am as I say, I'm as about as far left as anybody I know. Um, but I try to be. Uh, I try to not be super angry or get into super fights. Um, There's
0: nothing wrong with being being far left or far right, honestly speaking. <laughs> I don't have any problem with any of that, as long as you have the ability to actually Change. listen yeah. to someone's point of view and have a constructive conversation exactly. on exactly. that point of view. But no one is doing that. Yeah, and, th- um, and that's and what's that, that's you. by Perfect. design. That's by design. But let's not get too depressing about this, because we're going to have plenty of political conversations to talk about during this podcast, uh, which <laughs> I thought was um, interesting. So. Uh, this is uh, dovetailing on one of our first uh, podcasts, which was the time travel ones we did. Time travel time part travel, two, kind of. Do you guys remember what the first time travel ones we did? We did uh, About Time. Yeah, which is a classic. It was great. Yeah. I love that movie. I um, love that movie. FAQ. That's the second one. Uh, uh, oh, Frequently Asked Questions About yeah. uh, time, travel. time Travel. And then the third one was... Somewhere in Time. Somewhere in Time. Yep. Right. Uh, which were all... One was... Definitely very goofy, nerdy, and the other two were strangely romantic but fabulous, yep. right? Yep. Um, this one is uh, going to be, and I'm I'm totally going to do a clickbait on this one for our nerd audiences. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll explain this in a second, right? I'm going to say this one is about uh, uh, definitely uh, 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 Pleasantville. Mm -hmm. which is not technically a time travel film, although it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the the other one is uh, Peggy Sue Got Married, which and then I'm going to say the third one is Back to the Future. Yes, sure. Because it's technically the same movie, Mm -hmm. but we're really not going to talk about Back to the Future. We're just going to use that as clickbait. Back to the Future hovers over,
3: especially Peggy Sue Got Married, pretty strongly. Yes, absolutely.
0: But it's all about like, wasn't it back? Wasn't it great back in the fifties? Right in the in the early sixties, right? right? Somehow there is a nostalgia for that era, that is very, 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 very strong in Americana, which is a big reason for why people are wearing red hats today.
3: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Right? Yeah, there's a um, uh, there there is a there's a difference between, say, uh, let's see, 80, I think Peggy Sue Got Married was what, 86 yep, or so? Somewhere in there, 87? 86. Right. And so it's really not that far on from the 50s. You know, it's you know, 30 years or whatever it is. Um,
0: well, Back to the Future was 85, right? Right.
3: Um, but the, the difference between the style of the 80s and the style of the 50s is really sharp. You know, like it's a really, Drastic. it's very distinct. Um, but when I think yep. of 30 years ago, it's what, you know, uh, nineteen in the 1990s, like, there's not that much of a difference. Like, it's, you know, like, the clothes are slightly different and the music is slightly different. But the, the cars are still kind of round and some are shitty and boxy. And like, <laughs> like, there's not, there's not like a giant... We haven't
0: made as much progress between the 90s and the 2020 right. as we did between... The 50s and the 80s, yeah. right? I think... like there,
3: was, there was a really steep break after the 50s, and that, I believe, is the 60s. And it, it really kept, like, I do, it's really, it's interesting to see these movies knowing that, like, you see, like, Back to the Future, and it felt like, I'm, I remember when I saw Back to the Future, you know, the 50s felt to me, because I was young, that they're a million years ago. But watching it now, like, they still look like they're a million years ago compared to Back to the Future, <laughs> like, it's like, right. it's, wild, it's a wildly different universe, and there's this, like, social schism that happens in the, in the 60s that uh, you that you don't really get between now and 30 years ago. Like, we're basically on the same roll as we were 30 years ago, and it's all a fluid change. Um, but uh, when you think of time travel movies, like, I think we think of this kind of distinction. Now, you you, somewhere in time, you have to go to the like the 1900s in order to have the the steep jump.
2: Right. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like though, like the I think it's about uh, for me the 50s and the 80s were. Look, you had Ike in the 50s and you had Reagan in the 80s, Andrew. Like the 50s was come into terms with how much money we had and the leadership role in the world Mm -hmm. was really you know strong because of the results of world war ii but the 50s was how to deal with we're now the most powerful nation in the world and the 80s to me were how to deal with the fact that soon we won't be the most powerful nation in the world
3: that's a great point that's a great point
2: like
0: 80s was about hedonism well
2: it was basically saying this ship's not going to last forever and everyone grab what you can (laughs) dealing with the fact that we weren't as great as we thought you know Toyota's coming in but in the 50s it was Americans dealing with we have so much power in this and rock and roll came out because yeah everything that we can escape and now it's uh in that time it was the reverse like Lee Iacocca, right. you know, all this things, all right. of a sudden, you know, Japanese cars are kicking ass, and um, all of a sudden, there's other games in town, and other pressures, and um, right. Right. so with that nostalgia for God, I can just go back and change, and right. you know, I would make these decisions differently, you know, maybe there wouldn't be a Vietnam War, and um,
3: Well, it's inter- that's an interesting point, because the, like, the, and it's connected to the beginning of the podcast, like the, the Republicanism of the 50s was very much about us as a country, right? Whereas Republicanism of the 80s is very much about self. You know, like individual gain versus like, you know, essentially the social and moral good of the 50s, which comes up mainly in Pleasantville. You know, it's just like we were so tremendously successful that we believed that our moral code was, is the only moral code. Yeah. Like you can only think of the world this way. Uh, whereas, like, in Back to the Future, like, the, you know, like, we're, you know, it's already in, like, uh, you know, Marty McFly's family is in a depressed economic state, you know. Like, there's the Libyans who want to have, uh, you know, uh, uh, nuclear uh, material for a, a bomb. You know, all these other things that are interfering right. at a level that was inconceivable in the sort of perfect world of the, of the 50s. And so when he goes back to the 50s... You feel that safeness uh, is everywhere and uh, and while watching back to the future again, I just watched it recently with my son, and he had never seen it before, and he totally loved it, but it is interesting like there's a weird kind of doom that hangs over that movie where it's just like you know how shitty everything is going to get when he gets back <laughs> like, like, right. there's a there's a weird because
0: it was all wonderful and and you know you know you um, know uh you know nice beautiful skirts and, you know, soda pops and right. Right. hanging out and great cheery, full, cheerful music and, and prom Queens. And then right. it's like dirt everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everywhere. There's
3: a, like the fifties offers this sort of ultra simplistic uniformity of belief that convinces you that you're safe. Right. And, uh, and that was constructed, I think and I'm, I'm out of my depth here, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I believe that it was constructed more or less on purpose post-war, because the war was incredibly traumatic. Does that sound right?
0: Maybe. Now I. Well, let's let let let's, let's talk about specifically about. Well, I guess we'll talk about the three movies, and I'll, I I I kind of will say I, I would, uh, uh <laughs> Back to the Future, even though I've seen it. Oh many, yeah, many, that, times. there's
3: no way to Scruggs that you like. That's embedded in your brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. Well okay, so so so
0: so okay, so these these are three movies and very very they're they are very, very similar in plot in in in, in ironically, but have a very different way of delivering a message about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm actually gonna start with uh, uh Pleasantville, which is um I think we watched it with the kids mm-hmm. uh and they they loved it. They yeah. thought it was really fascinating.
3: That's, I, Did you guys watch it with uh, with your yeah. family? I watched it with Anne. Yeah. We didn't watch it with the kids. I watched it with the kids before and they dug it. Uh, but this go around was just okay. me.
0: it was it was good. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. Yeah. It was really kind of fun. But basically it's it's exactly as you framed it, very similar to <clears throat> although it was done in the nineties ninety 1997 or yeah. ninety eight, something yeah. like that. Um and basically it's you know, uh, uh, the forced family, kids are, you know, not necessarily happy, geeky kid, slutty uh, 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 sister, uh, dealing with just not a good family situation, and everything's a little bit depressing, et cetera. And so this young boy who's a teenager in, in high school, his escape every day as a little nerdy kid is to watch this show called Pleasantville, which is pretty much leave it to beaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's. I mean, is, yeah. am I right? I yeah, mean, that's what Andy Griffith. I, I that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't sort of grow up in this in this country. So I don't yeah. really. I didn't really see those shows when I was a kid. Um, but it was you know it was a basically a TV show that took place back in the 50s and he, and they would run them as reruns on TV. Uh, uh, people do watch reruns every now and then, but they're not as popular as they were back in the 90s. Right. And he was. He knew and rememorized all of the shows and loved the the, the, the show. Um, and then what happened is um, there was a, a, a situation where basically he wanted to watch a marathon of the show when he got into a fight with his sister and some guy showed up with this magical remote to-, to Don mm-hmm. Knotts. who was yeah, in, uh, awesome. uh Mandy Griffith yep. show, yep. Yep. Uh, shows up with his magical remote to fix our TV And uh, they were fighting over the remote, and what ends up happening is they get sucked into the show, which they're watching, which is – the show is called Pleasantville. So suddenly they're in black and white and wearing, you know, petticoats and, you know, slick back hair, and and their family is there. It's like, honey, I'm home. I made you breakfast. You know, it's just very, very hardcore Americana, right? And the gag of the show, and I don't want to call it a gag because it's actually really beautiful the way it's done, is that everyone is sort of left into this idealistic world of everything's just fine and you just have to do everything just perfectly and nothing's ever going to go wrong, right? <clears throat> right. Uh, all the basketball players are immediately making their baskets. That the everything's great. <clears throat> uh, wonderful, wonderful show. And then when suddenly people uh, uh, start to experience things that are outside of this very safe situation, which is led by uh, the girl who's played by Reese Witherspoon uh, and where she opens up her sexuality to the young boys, who's played by Paul Walker.
3: Yeah, I know. That was weird. I forgot about that. Oh, that's Paul Walker. Yeah, that's yeah. that's Paul Walker. Skinny, that's young how I Paul know Walker. him. Yep.
2: I yeah. was looking at him, yeah. and I was like, "God, who is this guy?" The late Paul Walker.
3: Yep. Yeah, and he's terrific in the movie. I really, he's very, very funny in the movie. Like he's so. Gee whiz! Yeah,
0: I mean, like they, they're so good at like. He's really. Gee whiz! Good. I love this, and then all of a sudden his like eyes go like. Oh shit! I just experienced something that, and 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 that's the whole point. The point of the movie is when you experience something and you start to understand a little bit more about life beyond what's possible in Pleasantville. Uh, they go from being black and white to being color, and it was quite a interesting little gag that happened in the movie where you experience things and suddenly
3: things become color. Yeah, because they, um, and they make maximum use of this metaphor. Like they find. So many ways to apply this that are emotionally right. successful in this movie. It's you, you just feel sorry for all the roto artists. that used it so. Oh much. my god! Yeah. Well, I read in the uh, in the in the trivia for this one that uh, um, this was the greatest number of VFX shots in film ever prior to Phantom *Menace*. Uh, and, right. And, like every single shot is redot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It ain't glamorous, but there it is.
1: Hmm.
0: Artisan, artisan frames yep. done by hand, yep. every frame, wrote a, um, But the basic thing is, like, they're all experiencing things, uh, be it either some uh, sexual revolution through masturbation mm-hmm. or through art or through uh, uh, anger or revenge or whatever it is that allows you to express an emotional uh, Social experience. growth, political like,
3: growth, everything.
0: Political growth, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and the most resistant
3: are the white men. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Who, 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 I love that their home base is the bowling alley. <laughs> yeah. The, the bowling great, We're the okay for now, boys. <laughs> At least we're in well, a J. bowling alley. J.T. Walsh, <laughs> how great is he? was he? Oh, my God. I yeah. Love yeah. J. T. Who is, is, is J.T. Walsh? He's the main villain. He's also in Good Morning Vietnam. He's oh, he's North. the Red mayor. Rock he's a great actor. West. Red Rock West, yeah. 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 Wonderful actor, absolutely great. So, sad that he's gone. He was, he was definitely one of my favorite characters. yeah.
0: Uh, William H Macy was really good too.
3: Oh, right. Well, then I think that like uh, to interject that the like one of the great things about this movie is that uh, though it's clear like who the quote bad guys are, right? Like they are played with even like the most bad guy, bad guy, like um, uh, the the mayor of the town, like is still played with an enormous amount of empathy. Like yeah. they are scared. Like that's the thing that drives them.
2: Yeah, because
0: it's unknown, right? Right. They're, they're fearful of the yeah, unknown. That
3: yeah. was
2: the big thing with J.T. Walsh and it's, and he it's had really a lot sort of, of passion. Weird. But he was also
3: yeah, yeah. Like you really feel for that dude, even though, and you really, really feel for William H Macy, and uh, and like even though he's you know he's on the, the wrong side, you know he's on the he's on the side that's gonna that hurts people. Like you feel his uh, his struggle really, really solidly in this movie. And I think that that 's what makes the movie so valid in all of its other um, uh, m- m- moments of realization for the uh, the people that want to be in color essentially like like if you had just had cartoon cut out bad guys versus people that mm. are having good realizations, then those good realizations would mean less to me but it 's what I really right. want to have happen is for um, William H Macy, to turn into color, like I want him to have the release from his fear, you know, and that's at the end he does. uh, Yeah, the end he does, and it's one of those beautiful beautiful moments. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those beautiful moments in the movie because he really breaks down. He's like, "I want things to be the same because I I love my wife, and I don't want to lose it to change, you know, and uh, and so like his argument is a, a solid emotional argument. Even though he's arguing for you know, sort of holding back uh, and arguing for his own uh, his life to be limited, you can see his, you can see why he's doing it. And when he finally has that right. release, um, the fulfilling uh, quality of his love is enormous, and he feels it more than anybody else has in the film. And I think that that's the kind of like again to bring it back to the beginning of the podcast, like having that sort of empathy for people that we perceive as villains is actually the best. Uh, and the most meaningful thing that Pleasant movies like Pleasantville sort of wake you up to it's like remembering that this is all one town that is on the verge of a, of a truly beautiful realization and change uh, and of course there are people that are going to fight it and of course there are people that are scared and people that are turned into bad guys out of this but they all want the same right. thing they just don't know it yeah they're scared they're scared. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was, I was, I love this movie. I absolutely love this movie. I
2: realized how much I loved uh, Peggy Sue. <laughs> nice. Yeah.
0: Right. I, ha- I I hadn't seen it in, in like 20 plus years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It was, it's a really... weird movie. It is a weird
2: movie, yeah. but it's a the, movie. Her, the love for her parent, grandparents and all that kind of love that she's, Just you really she did a great job, really have that um, the way she was just connecting with her and Sofia Coppola, her sister.
3: Oh, yeah. It's (laughs) just like
2: all that kind of love for her family wasn't comedic, you know. Right. Well, no, because that's the thing, right? You like basically the whole point.
0: Okay, so let's 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 go briefly into Peggy Sue got married. Peggy Sue got married is she's in the 80s and that basically she's going to her 25th high school reunion uh, and she's a divorced mom and her ex-husband is you know they lived in the same town and he owns the appliance store and he's kind of a cheesy appliance store guy Uh, she's got two kids but she was the most popular girl in school in uh, when she graduated and she hasn't really accomplished much so she feels like you know what I'm going to show up a divorced mom and not be, you know, very happy about it. Right. Uh, so she, she braces it nonetheless. And she puts on the dress that she wore back in the eighties or in the fifties, in uh, and goes to her reunion. And, uh, she is named prom queen or reunion queen or whatever the hell it is. Right. Uh, and the second person who's named prom um, King is the nerdy kid that everyone made fun of back in the fifties, but turns out that he's like the bill gate- he turned out to be like Bill Gates right? right very successful invented like some microchip computer thing or whatever they they defined it in the in the eighties and uh and became very very uh uh successful so uh she is up there and there's a big cake they're delivering and she passes out and basically faints uh, and has a heart attack of some kind or whatever. During her unconscious state she wakes up and she is uh, back in the 50s uh, experiencing her life again as a teenager uh, in the same high school. And that was... We can talk a little... But we'll take it on from there, Eric.
2: What's going on after that? She basically gets back to the high school. Her transition, though, back to... Usually, um, like in Pleasantville, even, there's a incredible build-up of the state of disbelief, right? Like, I can't right. believe this. The basketballs are shot this way. or You know, there's always... They're not convinced. The protagonists are not convinced. Right. But with her, it was almost like... It was a seamless, like She's
1: accepted.
2: Yeah, fast, and it's just like yeah. make up time, make up time, like it right. was a dream come true, and right. Um, right, that because she was filled with regret. Yeah, the right. regret is with the husband, though.
0: But it's also oh, I should have taken advantage. I mean, you were you're talking about it earlier. I should have taken advantage of time with my sister. Right.
2: Right. I miss her so much. Yeah, the family and love is what I got, and I thought it was really. They really did a great job And the music was incredible To help pull that through
0: The, oh, the music John Barry. was the most important part Of that movie, I think it was John really, Barry it was did the score too totally
3: Somewhere in Time as well
0: Oh really? Yep. Who was it?
3: And uh, John Barry oh, yeah. James Bond, the guy Yeah, but he also did Somewhere in Time And it has that same Like, very, very lush Heartstring pulled uh, Kind of thing Yeah, it really gets you Very, very deeply romantic uh, uh, Stuff And I agree with you. Like his um like I think the best stuff in the movie, the two best parts of the movie for this uh for me are um especially when she first sees Sophia Coppola. Uh yeah. like it's such a beautifully honest little scene. Yeah, let's play. Uh, it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's 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 so it's like that's that's Coppola at the top of his game because like one thing I yeah. should say is that this this sort of uh you know small scale movie uh done in the 80s is one of Francis Ford Coppola's minor movies. His major movies, obviously, being The Godfather, The Conversation, and Apocalypse Now. Um, But uh, he sort of, after Apocalypse Now, let go of the uh, auteur reins and uh, started doing smaller, uh, more sort of like, you know, lighter movies and things that uh, sort of reckon with his own childhood more directly. Uh, Rumblefish and um, Peggy Sue got married and uh, he he produced The Outsiders. I don't think he directed it. Oh, and stuff like that. And, um, and so, like, in comparison to his great work, like, this is basically, you know, like, you compare this to Apocalypse Now, and this is, like, basically a TV movie. But there is some very rich subtlety in this movie that uh, I never really gave it credit for uh, before, and, uh, and most of it comes from her re-experiencing, like, reconnecting with real emotions of her youth and it really grabs that really really well um and then the opposite scale uh this sort of uh, the this completely bizarre uh and completely uh uh committed performance by nicholas cage uh who is so weird
0: it's a weird performance yeah but by the way he's so
3: consistent in it but that's
2: not only was it consistent but that was basically moonstruck role too
3: yeah, exactly. There's a there's a line in there that actually well, feels exactly he also the same.
2: this thing where
0: it's almost like he's like I have to, even though I'm a completely an adult, I'm like, you know, my 20s or 30s or whatever, how old he was, he's like, I have to play a teenager. Right. So I am going to somehow put on this voice of a teenager the whole time, which seems like so weird. Yeah. Very cartoony.
2: Yeah. It's
3: very yeah. weird. Yeah. You know, he's kind of talking like this the whole time. Hey, Peggy. Yeah, but you know, like do you doing think voice. I... he was doing
2: it because yeah. of Marnie McFly's
3: you know, you kind of thing? Because that, that voice was I think, I, I think I think really it's like when I hear Nicolas Cage talk about acting, like I'm really sort of fascinated by this guy. Because when you look at it, like he's made plenty of shitty movies, but he is always very consistent in how he approaches uh, what, he, what he likes to do. And he's always said, I hate realism. Like I think he thinks realism is cheap and he's always trying to, he's straining to find something that is larger than, uh, like that's big and broad and larger than real life. So you can more theatrical, more theatrical. So you can sort of identify even smaller feelings. Like you, it's sort of like putting a, um, a microscope and zooming up radically on something so you can be more sensitive to the very small changes that happen. And uh, now he's not always successful at that, but in this I thought it was really sort of, like he's the anchor for me to like the rest of the movie because like the rest of it is very um, sort of like more standard uh, 50s nostalgia movie. Um, but because he lends this uh, really heightened cartoonish interpretation to it, uh, it helps me uh, get into the subtle emotions of what Kathleen Turner is delivering. Because everything else looks kind of like broad. And then in comparison, you're seeing what Kathleen Turner is doing and you're getting these very gentle, tiny experiences that you probably wouldn't notice if it were played more straight, if the whole thing were played more straight. And So, so that, it's
0: putting it into contrast. It's allowing exactly. you to
3: see her subtlety by doing, overdoing what he's doing. Exactly. And, and like, there's, like, there's, a, there's a brilliant moment in this movie. I was just like, I can't believe that Coppola wanted to do this, or that he allowed Cage to do it, but when, like, he feels so betrayed by, uh, uh, Cage feels so betrayed by uh, Kathleen Turner sleeping with some other guy, that he sneaks into her house, and for a second, he considers killing her with a pillow, like smothering her with a pillow, (laughs) and it's such a brilliant move, I was like, whoa, that's, like, it's so ridiculous, and it's kind of funny the way that he kind of tentatively does it, right, Uh, that even though it's like, if you were to take that as reality, he'd be a sociopath, like the heightened, weird, cartoony nature of it makes you really feel a strange sympathy for his intense emotions. I'm like, I remember what it's like to be a teenager and having fucking completely radical emotions all the time. And that's a great little moment of it. It's silly, but it's like, uh, or it's insane, but it's a, it's a perfect way to express it.
0: Well, the fact that they pretty much put him opposite, Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey looked more subdued as an actor compared <laughs> to Nick Cage. <laughs> Seriously. Should be telling uh
3: of how over the top Nick Cage was. Jim Carrey's uh subtle performance in Peggy got Get Married.
0: <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Yeah. That is funny. But, but I, I thought, thought it, you know, like there was a lot of things that were that were kind of great about him and car- even though he's so over the top in so many ways like i loved the scene where he's walking the dog and she's up there the to try to scene. talk to him yeah, yeah I, am yeah. i right yeah, yeah. So you, good. That's I, I knew you guys would yard. see the same thing
2: that was the best yeah. scene he his, because he's defeated
0: he's yeah he's defeated but he's got his glasses on he looks a little <laughs> dorkier so and a little good. bit every you know you know he's not like I'm the guy with and what did he say when he was in the bases like I'm the guy with the eyes and the voice and the that's car. Right. Right. Why do you want to you know, like I'm the best, I am I am the most popular kid in school. Why do you wanna be with anyone else? We were gonna be prom king and queen. Like to them in the fifties, that's it. Right. That's the goal. Prom right. queen, prom king, you know, uh you know, uh quarterback for the football team. That that's where it's at. That's right. what's that's the the goal in life. Right. And somehow that's where they messed up, and and then he shows up outside his house, and he's got his big-ass glasses on, and he's walking his dog, and he's walking kind of awkwardly, and it was just, it was an amazing scene.
3: Oh, that's great. And in that moment, because the dog's name is, uh, like, she's like, oh, I love Elvis, and he's like, no, Elvis is dead. This is a different dog. (laughs) And I was like... The the new name I forget what the new name is but it's like the the idea that Elvis it's is not dead. Elvis yeah, yeah exactly yeah, no, it, it was, was like
2: crackers or something yeah
3: exactly some regular dog boring dog name and uh, the that the Elvisness but Elvis died. is dead yeah exactly <laughs> Elvis is dead right and that's the that's the thematic touchstone and like in that moment I was like really this movie should be paired as a double feature with Wild at Heart I was just thinking <laughs> like, Rocking Good Time at Lulu <laughs> exactly yeah. that's what I yeah no that's it. the
2: go ahead Rocking Good Time Lulu. Yep. It's um, (laughs) so good, dude. I was also thinking of Raising Arizona. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just like, uh, just those moments where he just was defeated so much. Oh, yeah. But in Raising Arizona,
0: somehow he felt like way more subdued.
3: Well, it's because the rest of the movie is rising to meet him, right? Like, he's just as crazy, but the movie is also equally crazy, you know? And I think that it's one of the few times when, I mean, Nicolas Cage... Can be really wonderful, and I think he's a really, really great actor. Um, that's but a... it's only when the movie itself is is trying to meet him on his territory. Yeah, and so uh, like that's movies my like Nick Part. Cage movie. Yeah.
2: Raising yeah. Arizona.
3: Yeah, Raising Arizona is perfect. Also, for the new stuff, like if anyone gets a chance to see Mandy, like Mandy is incredible, and it's perfect for Cage. Like it's right in his fucking wheelhouse, and uh, I.
0: Yeah. I'm sure, the one the one that I was oh, I'm still surprised by, because it was directed by that, that, that fucktard. What's the name? Sorry, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, uh, Family Man.
1: Uh, oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked I, that movie. That was a good movie. I I I liked Nick Cage in <laughs> sure. like I mean, somehow I liked that movie. It's basically like uh, it's a Wonderful Life, yeah. like done in the '90s. Right? No, that's a that's a lovely little movie. Who is uh, that
2: fucktard you're
0: talking about? Oh, my God. He's, a, he's like a really sle- sleazeball. And... I don't know. Who directed Family Man?
3: The Family Man was directed by Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner. <laughs> oh, Brett Ratner. I do not know Brett Ratner. I have nothing bad to say about Brett Ratner. But uh, Brett Ratner I comes with not his, not his own heard good bag. things, and I probably shouldn't <laughs> call him a fucktard because
0: I just haven't heard good things. But yeah. it's all by reputation. <laughs> the so reputation My Brett apologies for he calling that. He may be a great guy. Back, we don't
3: so, know. But yeah. he does have a reputation. As being he exactly does have that. a reputation. So it's not necessarily. No, I, here, I will, I will. say one good thing about Brett Ratner. He's along
0: the, the the Harvey Weinstein. yes he's, of, he's like, part of that going to get taken right, down yeah. kind of person. So. Uh,
3: like uh, the one positive thing that I can say about anything connected with, to Brett Ratner is that he produced and possibly directed a one-hour documentary in tribute to John Cazale for HBO. That's cool. And like he's got, like he can't be. 100% bad person if he did that. Like, yeah. that was a public service. <laughs> like, John Gazelle should be remembered by everyone as one of the top five or six actors of all time. And, uh, and he's only in Academy Award winning movies, but people have still forgotten about him. Yeah. 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 But yeah, no, Pegasus Got Married is a very interesting movie overall just because, like, a part of me is, and even still, like, when I first saw it, I was like, ugh, where did Coppola go? You know, like, where's the Coppola I love, you know? And I still feel a little bit of that pang. But in a weird way, it helps me connect with the movie now. Like, the nostalgia I feel for Coppola's early work is part of why I have an emotional uh, touchstone with Peggy Sue Got Married. Because, like, it is, it is definitely the work of someone who is... Uh, afraid to get deeply uh, into the hardcore artistic scene. Like it's a step backwards in terms of like his engagement. But he's also Mm -hmm. at the same time being very gentle about it and like I think what you like what you what you bring up about especially like the ending and the way that like Cage's character, the argument for his character is like like there's a deep sadness to when you think of it in terms of Francis Ford Coppola, the argument of the movie is partially Give up on your dream. Like, like, let go of the bullshit, um, you know, story about when you were young and about how you're going to be a superstar and let go of all that passionate nonsense and actually engage your life as it is currently. And when she finally wakes up in the end and he's there for her, like, it's very kind and it's very loving. And she tells him, like, you look really old and tired, you know, and, uh, and that's true but it's more in the moment and more present than most people in the movie have been. And so it's like, it's a very, it's a very sweet, uh, sad, uh, sort of melancholy point to make. But uh, it's also arguing for being honest with where you're at in your life, which I think is ultimately a good thing.
0: Mm. Well, they do this thing, they do this thing where basically they, you know, she wakes up, which I thought was really great. She wakes up from her coma, and you're wondering whether it was all a dream or did she actually go in the past, right? Mm. So anyway, you're going to know as opposed to like back to the future where suddenly like we're rich now because I've done all these changes right. in my life in the past and suddenly my dad is a big successful person because I pushed him over the edge, you know, 25 years ago or whatever, right? right. Uh, so uh, what she she does is like, you know, she wakes up and everything is kind of the same. Kind of the same. Was. But there's a yeah. few hints that maybe she might have influenced a few things. Mm-hmm. She yep. gets a signature in a book from an author be- that she didn't know before, but she knew when she met him in in her dream. Right. Um, the guys, the guy, the microchip guy is successful because of her, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there's nothing but that proves it either you're way. You're not but really sure. Enough. It's not yeah. not like. She,
3: it's not like like you're saying like Back to the Future. There's a the novelty aspect to like yes. the fact that everything got changed, right? And uh, which like uh, uh, this takes it off in a different direction. But the like Back to the Future. When you think about that in any sort of deeper way, that movie gets really weird and kind of depressing and scary. <laughs> like like yeah. uh, like when I, when I think about like so wait a minute is there like what happened to what is this movie from the point of view of Marty's parents after he leaves? Cuz he just leaves and then never comes back ever? <laughs> uh yep. and and then like what happens to when he comes when he comes back and there's a second Marty whose life he totally steals. And and like he just rips that kid off. Like and just takes all of his good shit. And then does that yep. does that Marty, the second Marty even uh continue to exist after he goes back in time? Or does he live this little, like, I always called him uh Marty McMayfly. because, like maybe he's only in existence for this one, two hour or 10 minute space of time where it created a bubble universe where he gets to experience losing everything and losing his best friend and then he's vaporized. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and like this yeah, well, is... that's the paradox, right?
3: Right. And so, like the the even though back the Back to the Future is enormously fun, and I love like it's one of the most clever fun movies I've ever seen. Um, but it is uh, that's not a very that's it doesn't have a lot to say in terms of character growth. It's not like there's a lot that's no Ma- Marty is the same person at the beginning as he is at the end. You know, like there's no there's no big learning that's going on, and the entire thing is a big novelty act, and it's hysterical. But when you look at something that uh, like Peggy Sue Got Married, where it's like Peggy Who Got Married is not as, is not as complete um, a movie as Back to the Future. Like Peggy Sue Got Married is a little bit, to me, a little choppy and a little bit, uh, you know, like there are goods and bads about it. But there's an honestness to it that is... And the themes like, are a, stronger the, the themes are stronger, much. exactly. Yeah. Like there's something like, th- this is made by an artist yep. who's really thinking about something painful. And, uh, and, he, and what's sort of interesting about the movie is that the movie doesn't really resolve. And I think that's because Coppola himself was very unresolved about how he feels about himself in that moment when he made the movie. And I think that's really really kind of amazing to see.
2: Is this after Cotton Club?
3: This is after Cotton Club. And after the disaster of Cotton Club because even right. Cotton Club has been restored recently. Like, it got cut down to nothing when it got released. Like The studio like, nope, screw it. Yeah. And Cotton Club was essentially his magnificent Ambersons. That's right. You know, and utterly like it and he just gave up after that point. I think he was just like, I'm I'm gonna make personal movies only, small scale movies only. And uh, and you can I can understand it. But it's like it's interesting when you see like the flavour of Peggy Sue Got Married is I would like to make a more hopeful film than this, but I can't really do that because I'm not in a hopeful place. You know, okay. I'm just trying to find peace in the place that I'm in. And that's what, uh, like, that's what comes through over and over again. And the happiest moments in the movie are not about time travel; they're about her realizing how much she loves her sister, and her
2: grandparents, and her grandparents, and her grandparents. But,
0: but Eric, tell tell us quickly what was the, what was the controversy behind Cotton Club? Was it on
2: the I think one of the producers was was it Robert Evans? I think so. Yeah, he he was busted for drugs, right? So dealing cocaine or something to do with. He was involved in a big cocaine bust in New York while they were filming it. Mm-hmm. I think they were really behind schedule. It was a, one of those disaster movies, but uh, it was mm-hmm. hard to make. Uh, but I think the big thing was uh, the producer getting busted for drugs. Right. But, but okay. I also could see him. Uh, I think he got... Uh, you know... Uh, the studio telling mean, them. The studio was really powerful in the 80s, right? Yeah. Particularly after movies like Heaven's Gate, they're just like, we're taking yeah. control. You know? Yeah,
3: yeah we can't we it anymore. If,
2: we don't care yeah. if you won an Oscar 10, 15 years ago, man. We're taking right. over.
3: Brazil man, saw that very with briefly, the Scheinberg
2: just... cut. They just took oh, it over. Dude.
3: Yeah. Like, I've, I just have to interject. I just watched, uh, first time in a, in a while, um, the. A director's cut of *Heaven's Gate*. Uh, That movie is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, it's gorgeous. That fight—it is amazing. That fight
2: outside with the negative. Oh, incredible,
3: incredible, dude, incredible. That movie is—it's a powerful, incredibly emotional uh, film that uh, is more relevant now than ever. And it has career top performances from almost everybody involved. Yeah. And uh, and it has possibly one of the top. It's one of the top three best shot films I've ever seen. Like, Victoria I was Star. Stunned. Who was it? Nestor? Uh It's no, no. It's um, uh, it's Zigmund, I believe, who's one it's of my favorites it. anyway. But yeah, and it's uh, and it's just it's outlandish. The re- the the uh, reconstruction of that movie that uh, it's now on Criterion. Uh, awesome. And the it's it's oh, really like nothing it Yeah, it's really something. Else. I don't know if they put it on the channel. They have the the uh, the DVD up, uh, uh, for sale. But it's it's really it's really extraordinary. Now, sorry to go off on a Trumina thing. I was just like, have you guys seen Babylon, uh, Berlin?
2: No, no,
3: it's good.
1: Yeah,
2: great art direction, beautiful, good, good movie, good show. I love a good looking movie, Uh, show. But um, yeah, I just uh, it seems like they also there's certain points like with the high school stuff. They really just kind of. Did the kind of beats that high school reunion kind of things, you know? Interviewing, all that stuff was stock to me. Do you know what I mean? But her emotional core throughout was so strong. Oh, it's tip top. Yeah. Much agreed. And you get it, like, even when she's drunk and the father buys an Etzel, she's like, (laughs) That's
3: a good guy. Yeah, like that a lot.
2: But it's just like, you know what? I thought you were the smartest guy. You're an idiot. And yeah. uh, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. But it's def- I, right. it's definitely, there was a weirdness quality. But I think some of the stuff about Nick Cage, when you see him on television doing those goofy ads, it kind of, it made sense. Do you know what I mean? Right.
3: right. The only mm-hmm. problem I had well,
2: was like, um, just the kind of, uh, how could she be absolutely in love with somebody like that? Right. Right. Because she.
0: That was the thing, though. That was the whole point about, like, you're in high school, he's very popular, so you have to date him. Right. But the reason he was popular was, I don't know why he was popular. He was popular because he had the hair and the teeth and the eyes or whatever the hell. You know, like,
2: that was his argument. But she had. uh, But I'm saying for a long marriage because she had much more character than you realized. And, yeah, I agree, well, and, and I so think that like, like
0: she got pregnant when she was eighteen. That was the whole point, right? My my, but
3: my question to you guys is like who who does Coppola sympathize the most with in this movie? Do you think like who does he think like who does he feel the most like? I don't know if it's Kathleen Turner.
2: I think it was <laughs> no. Like, I think it's Nick Cage.
3: <laughs> I think it's Nick Cage. I think it was for like, his fam- the he... family. Oh yeah, that's very like, true. I, Absolutely.
2: Yeah, like having Sophia in there. I think made it also made him feel comfortable and safe
0: well nick cage is his, is his i know nephew, his but he nef-
2: was he's That's a right. little loose cannon
3: right um, but i think that uh, like uh coppola i think coppola probably felt like he was looking back on a version of himself when he's when he's letting cage do that act like I, because there's a sort of like there's a uh, arch critique of that kind of personality but it's also just as caring towards that character as uh, as Kathleen Turner is like the movie is gentle towards Nick Cage's character, even though he's a, he's really extreme, and uh, in the scene where he's walking the dog, like you just feel like, oh, you poor fucking schnook, you know. That's the and best. like you really, yeah. And it's, and it's and it's really hard because that's when, like you said, it's like that's when it connects to what you know of present day Nick Cage. You're like, this is where it, I did. This every, is the last. I had thought. everything you think that would be right.
2: And it doesn't right. work much like all the guys doesn't in work. pleasantville i had everything that right. you know i thought was right i did everything yep. right and, yep. but and where's where's my dinner yeah you know i'm doing what <laughs> is expected, out of place. and right. uh this is what how it should be and god i'm how dumb can i be this is wrong and that was just right. like the bowling scene in pleasantville yep. was the outdoor scene with
3: nick cage yep it was yeah, totally right. defeated because yeah, because Pleasantville is so great at setting up these I'll little right back, emotional... Okay. Like, Pleasantville is so great at living these, like, little emotional payoffs all the time that make you relate to every character. Like, it's like one so something... So is that the sense of TV turns, I got from it? Yeah, it's just like, it, it spends these... It has a million little stories in it, right? Just like in a, a great TV show, right? And it sets it up for the moment that, you know, that that person turns... That realizes their own passion, you know, and it connects you so well to them before it happens that every time in the movie that it turned, uh, I felt it. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, that like I get, I get chills when, um, you know, when the artists, when the artist, uh, uh, turns in color. I, I get, uh, I get chills when Joan, um, Joan Allen, uh, is revealed to be in color. When she turns in the kitchen and she's like, how can I go out there looking like this? Yeah. And I'm just like, it's great. so beautiful and so lonely. Um, and to be, lo- like, to, to be, uh, like, to uh, find this little metaphor that we can all identify with is what uh, makes the movie work on so many levels. And I think that, like, Peggy Sue Got Married is, like, the, the, in a sense, like, the gimmick of the movie isn't even time travel. The gimmick of the movie is Nicolas Cage. Like, Nicolas Cage is 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 both the person she reminisces about and the lie that she told herself, you know. And for her to discover that moment, uh, you know, when he's just a fucking schnook, you know, is is the turning point that connects the past and the future, you know. And it's the they, that's that's the, the great is, sadness of the, the movie. The
2: difference, what was interesting, is they really explain how they get there in Pleasantville, much like they do in Back to the Future, right? Here's mm-hmm. the remote, and it shows right. the link. Here's the gimmick. Right? right. But right. they right. don't do that in... That's why I think she really was just dreaming. But that yeah, dream exactly. helped. her... She's reckoning help. with her I, past.
0: I loved... Somehow, it being more abstract in Peggy Sue Got Married mm-hmm. made it feel less, you know, more real.
3: Yeah, right. Agreed. In fact, I would go so a, far as to say it wasn't she, a tech you, demo either. Like, this is how it works. This is right, how we like got the, here. Like the 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 only bad part of Pleasantville is the first ten minutes where it's where it's just explaining the gag. And that like, was tedious. Like, it's a, like it's it's total like once. Pleasantville becomes a reality for the main characters, then the movie's a four-star film. Like, it's one of my favorite movies of the 90s. You just have to wait through about 15 minutes of novelty explanation about how the gag works. And it's too bad, because you just have to... It's just like, okay, this is kind of dumb.
0: You, you You have to do that for a couple of reasons, Dan. You also have to do that for the fact that you have to make people realize that their life is kind of
3: shitty,
2: right? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. No, no I, mean, te- I totally te- get the right. technological side I think he's talking about
3: yeah, right. and like i, I, I there's a like the very specific s- mechanism of it, like whereas like the best time travel movies that we've covered, like uh about time they're, they're just there's, there. ba- there's barely a mechanism at all, you know, like they just right. get bit right right yeah exactly, you yeah. know and I think that like the warm up uh like it's because of back to the future as and i hate to I'm not dissing back to the future, I love back to the future. Uh, but because it's the most successful novelty act in time, everyone believes that you have to come up with this incredibly complicated, you know, explanation to make it feel realistic when actually you don't. Like the most like outside of that, like somewhere in time, Peggy's who got married and about time all have these like very soft explanations that they don't spend any time on, and then you're in the movie. Like it's a movie. Don't worry about explaining why I'm watching a movie. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm in the movie, it's fine right yeah
0: and it comes down to regret Mm -hmm. right she has regrets right and she is coming to terms the whole point of Peggy Sue got married is she is coming to terms with her regrets she's going to her reunion with regrets about what she has done with her life for the last 25 years right and then she goes to experience the time when she didn't have regrets, when she was uh, had a bright, seemingly had a bright future, which is when, when she was in high school. And she goes, this is when I was happy. I was happy then because all of these, I had the world, the world was my oyster and this was wonderful. And oh my gosh, I miss my sister, especially when she was this. Why didn't I take advantage this, this of this? Oh, um, I miss my grandparents, and now I want to. I, suddenly, I want to spend time with my grandparents when I'm 18. Where no 18 year old really wants to spend time with their grandparents. You right. know what I mean? So she wants to do it because she misses them. And they're probably dead, right? right. So, uh, so to 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 her, it's just this whole this whole thing that she's experiencing. And then when she gets to the end of the movie, she realizes that she misses her kids and she misses her life. That w- that happened after that. So she does. She re- she the whole point of the the message to me is that's like, oh, you know what? You're right. I did feel regret. But at the same time, it's not too late to go back and appreciate the things I do have. Right. You know, right. I do love my kids to be present. Right. Yeah, I do like love the, the, my kids the, the, and you know what? Maybe I fucked up with my ex-husband and I could uh, you know, I I right. didn't I didn't see all the there's things inside of him that I did.
3: Yeah. Right. And it's because of the like yeah, I think you're right because like essentially what she learns in the movie is that like because there's no um like there's no moment where she can go back and fix something. It's not like back to the future where if you go back and you fix a certain thing, your life will be different. Like she's going back with this vague feeling of her life being better, but with no specific anything in mind to change or manipulate or anything like that. And what she, her experience ends up being, uh, you know, sort of like this, uh, like vague disappointment in a lot of aspects. And the thing that she, the good stuff she comes out of it with, is this connection to family and people in this immediate sense. That that's what she can apply to her actual life. So she comes back with like the movie says, like, it's a, it's a you know it's a good point in saying like, for, forget about whether or not the past was better or whatever it is. Like, let all that go. Like, just be present. Like, be present for the people that are really around you. And uh, appreciate wait, do you the think appreciate all the,
2: the points? The thing is, is that they go around to all, the table, and that whole dynamic of her friends talking to her, or her daughter talking to her, so everything mm-hmm. that she feared, or everything that they talked about, it's addressed when she
3: goes back in time. Oh yeah, without I mean, like, it's all, everything is touched upon, and what's really wonderful is that it's not, uh, like, there's no uh, checkbox mentality of dealing with these things. Like, all of it's sort of on the table all the time in that movie. And uh, and it's more of an experience than it is uh, a set of clever scenes to be entertained by. And, uh, and I think that, like, by coming... B- like, there's no real feeling of difference. Like, when she comes back from the past, it doesn't uh, show you a big uh, realization of how uh, different everything is now that she's back from the past. Like, it just goes... No, it's basically more of the same. But now you're thinking about living your life differently. Like, and so like she's getting in touch. Like the, the movie sets up concepts to think about, thinks about them, and then arrives at an idea of how to think, as opposed to a fix. right? And I, I think that that's, why, that's what makes it ultimately very poignant. And what I really like about it is that it doesn't make you super happy at the end in a fake way. It just goes, you know that this is probably the solution, the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't, like, make her life artificially happy by, like you guys said, like, having the, uh, Marty now has a rich family. But the thing (laughs) is, it's
2: like, she has a strength that's, Mm -hmm. like, she's a changed person with that strength. Yeah. At the end, when she talks to Nick Cage, pardon me, that it's, you watched her grow.
3: Absolutely.
0: Well, there's a couple things that are interesting because... She goes back to reexperience her life, but she goes back into her old life with more maturity, right? Yeah, exactly. So somehow, if I were to go back into my eighteen-year-old self with the maturity that I have now as a you know wonderful thirty-five-year-old man that I am, thirty-five, uh, nice. then I would, I would actually come into it and saying, oh, hold on a second. You missed a bunch of things, right, because you were too wrapped up in your 18-year-old self. That's the point she's making, right? She missed out on while Nick Cage is a goofball and an idiot, and somehow she was attracted to his popularity in high school, Mm -hmm. she felt that she missed out on what made him special, which he kept very close to himself, right? right. Which was his singing yeah. and, and his music his love of music. And she's like, yeah, I'm in a band, but he's like, no, he's more than in a band. This is really something special to him. And she didn't see it until she re experienced it going back in time and seeing it that but way. She's right? also it's almost
2: smarter. as if smarter, obviously because she's older, but she wants to learn. Whereas you don't see that, when she's in class or talking to the guy who becomes a billionaire, there's this real right. kind of mm. I want to learn. And not just because right. she wants to get back, it's that I want, there's so much of the world out there. Even though they're in a small town in high school, there's like this whole thing that I could learn about.
0: Dude, I mean, I think that's the tr- the truth with all of us. If we could all go back into our time, that's the truth of all of these three movies, right? It's like, if we all go back in time and re-experience something and experience it with fresh eyes. Uh, it would be, we would try to do things differently,
3: right? Right. But in the end, <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, and this is the about time idea is like, like, Forget about romanticizing the past. You know, forget about, uh, yeah. You know, like holding on to what you could, what you could have done, or what you blah blah blah. Like which one was about time? Is right that right the now. one I liked? Yes.
2: Yeah, it's the one Wade. that,
0: and it's the one where the guy uh, goes back, uh, and then uh, his dad tells him that he's a time traveler, and he has to go in the closet. Oh,
2: doubt that's a beautiful movie. But yeah. I was thinking <laughs> of the Christopher yeah. Eve one, which is sap. But I oh yeah, love, yeah, yeah. No, that, that is I somewhere that in time too. But about time yeah. is a brilliant yeah. movie. Really smart. Yeah. What's oh, brilliant? So yeah. smart. And it is.
0: It is. It is still at this point in time my best
3: time travel. Oh, it's my favorite time travel film. Mine is film, Heat,
2: guarantee. but it's still. Yeah.
3: <laughs> of course. Heat is not <laughs> a time travel. It's a time travel. Depends on you look <laughs> at. They're
2: <it>. always <laughs> looking at their watches. Go back and watch right. it. Go back and watch it. Right. You'll see. It's a time travel movie. <laughs> Uh, Chorito. Michael Chorito. Give me what you got! Give me what you got! Hey, this slick is like a serious, man. By the time I get to Phoenix, he'll be rising.
3: i leave a note right on the door. Michael Chorito. <laughs> That'd slick. be slick. so great slick. to
2: have like, an executive... You know how we walk into buildings... And it says the company's name.
3: It's like Michael Chorito Productions. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> <It's okay>. Chorito. <laughs> you know why? You know why you really hate Wayne Gro in that movie, by the way, because uh, he scams a soft drink. Like he, he sneaks an F- extra soft drink in the beginning. Like I was just like that's when I rewatched. It, I was like that motherfucker just double tapped on Mister Pib, and yeah. just walked out. My like, mother, I can't, ta- I can't take it. <laughs> I hope that Robert De Niro shows up and shoots him in the head on a couch and then that happens. It's very satisfying.
0: For the Mr. Pibb.
3: <laughs> it's true. That's what the movie's about for me. I, mean, I don't know about right. anybody it's else. It's about Mr. Pibb. Mr. Pip. It's vengeance for Mr. Pibb. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: no, it's good to see. I have not seen Peggy Sue got married since I saw it in the theater. Yeah, it's been a while. It's
0: it's been a it's been a long time since it's I've it. It's a really it,
2: great film. She was really good. I loved it. She was really good. Forgot
0: There's Jim a lot Carrey of things. Obviously,
3: forgot Jim Carrey was in it. Oh my god! Yeah, it was a total. Surprise. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think it was cool to see people like you know Paul Walker in in
3: Pleasantville was yeah. like what the I totally was. And <laughs> I'm
2: like, how do I know this guy without going to imtv And I just when you yeah. said it tonight, I was like, oh, that was him.
3: He should have pursued yeah. a comedic career, man. He was fucking hysterical in that movie. I was really, I was like, "Oh, Paul, miss you." Yeah. Who, Paul Walker? Yeah, he's so good and pleasure. Yeah, like yeah. it's a small role, he but he so really good. nails it. Like the terror behind yeah. his eyes whenever he's like smiling and realizing that something is different is just like, like he, he he's about it. to
0: experience something called an orgasm, <laughs> and he has no idea what the <laughs> so fuck so is about to cool. happen. So, exactly. well, the, it's interesting because we watch it with our kids, right? And so, my mm-hmm. daughter is at the age where, you know, she just took a health class to. <laughs> So she's very aware of all right. of these things, right. right, you know, and then my wife and I were having this conversation about, It's like, okay, so there's a scene where the, the mother gains her color. You know, the whole gag of that movie is mm. like you, you experience something that takes you outside of Pleasantville and her, she experiences her color through masturbation in the, in the bathtub because right. she could pleasure herself because her daughter says, mom, you know, there's other ways you can be happy and she says that and so there's that whole scene about her you know basically masturbating in the in the bathtub and my wife and i were talking about it's like i'm cool with a movie that shows that women can have orgasms yeah i think that's good it's a good
3: thing (laughs) and enjoy themselves yeah i mean it makes for it makes for a good funny scene that is not shameful like, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's. It shouldn't be shameful. It should no. not be shameful, right? And, like, <laughs> but, and, but, but what makes it funny it is. shameful in pleasant things. Exactly. That's what makes the scene funny. That's the, the funny. point that it's making. Yeah. That's, that's the brilliance of the movie. It's like, it, like, it, it has all these beautiful, like, it has all these beautifully awkward moments that, uh, because mm-hmm. everyone is playing it so, uh, straight, like, no one's selling you a gag in that movie. All the actors are really doing the right work. And when, like, Jeff Daniels, right. uh, Shit. when, uh, when Jeff Daniels is like, when you weren't here, I didn't know what to do, so I just kept uh, mopping the counter. And it cuts down to the counter, and it's worn, he's wearing a hole out. in the counter. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, oh man. <laughs> like, and it feels very, like all of his emotions feel real and natural, even when the situation is totally ridiculous. And See, when he's me, proud that he we- closed the place down by himself. And just like, it's amazing. It's just that also I couldn't tell if
2: at that point some of those gags. It wasn't I the, the commentary on life in the fifties, and how everybody, or the fact that they're in a TV show.
3: Right. Do
2: you well, know I like mean? initially
3: I feel yeah like like the reason why I pick on the first ten minutes of this movie or fifteen minutes of this movie is because the first ten minutes of the movie feels like. The pitch they must have given to get this thing made, where it wouldn't it be funny to be in this thing, and then all oh, the because it's like you know this sort of cynical, uh, let's make a movie that makes fun of this attitude that was very common. And he's tonight, in a television so set. A... set. Yeah, yeah, very exactly, television like, show. Yeah, and like let's make fun of something. Like let's make fun of something that someone else loves is comes up a lot in '90s movies. You know, even with like the Brady Bunch movies and stuff like that, which are kind of funny. But the basic gag is, like, you're dumb for liking this. And uh, and it's a little mean-spirited. And so, like, the in the the initial few minutes of Pleasantville, when they're just explaining the gag in the first few minutes when they're there, like, it doesn't feel like a real... It feels cheap. It feels cheap, and it feels it is, like, yeah. like a bad sketch, right? And it's really yeah. only when... Oh, gee whiz, dad. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and, like, I was prepared to, when I first saw it, I was like, wow well, you know, it's shitty, what are you going to do? And then, at some point at the, about the twenty minute mark, and I, I think really it 's Jeff Daniels that is the first one to sell me on it. Jeff Daniels is such a uh honest and giving actor that it goes he takes he 's the first one to take the movie beyond the joke and once it gets you on that level, then all the other actors who are all incredible character actors, Joan Allen, who's also in Peggy's who got married um you know, John Allen, uh, William Macy, like all these dudes, J.T. Walsh, like all of them are giving gentle, caring performances about people who are limited in themselves. They're not making a joke. But Jeff about...
0: Jeff Daniels' character is so confusing, though, because he's so he's so dumb.
3: <laughs> yeah, you see it yeah, exactly. He's a dumb right? sweetie, right? He's not. He's a. He's an, He's a want to. He wants to be an artist. He's not. A, he's not an incredible artist, but he wants to be an artist. And he wants to be he wants to be smart, but isn't, you know, and I'm just like, I, I'm done with that guy. Like he means really well and he feels these. things Well, I regardless think what's interesting is if you if you, if you
0: think about it as act, because Jeff Daniels is obviously a very good actor. Yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, but I think what's interesting about it is I was trying to think about, like, why do I care about this actor? Because he's just like he just doesn't know what to do. Like he just he's not that, quote unquote, bright. And he plays the guy who's not quote-unquote bright, but somehow, like, he has this one thing that he does, which is to paint the windows for yeah. every, you know, for every Christmas.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's the, that's the one. So and if you really think about it, like, as, as far as writing is concerned, I thought that was just very interesting because I've been thinking about his character. Like, why is he so so interesting? Because he shouldn't be interesting. And he's actually not interesting by design. Right. because right. he's a secondary character. Yeah. He only does a few things. I only know how to wipe down the counter. Right. And if you didn't show up, that's all I'm going to do. Yeah. Right? I have no, no... He doesn't have any other depth to his character. Right. right. And then and then when it comes down to art, he's like I I I love doing the windows and that's all I know how to do. And so it's like so he doesn't have any depth to his character at all. Right. by design yep. because he's a secondary character.
3: Yeah. And it's and it's lovely because like uh, I really like he makes me uh like that he's able to make me empathize with someone who's like uh in, in like you're saying intentionally two-dimensional. You know, like he's like he's a flat cardboard cut-out character. He's the soda jerk in the movie, but he yeah. he has he has nothing to work with to make me love this guy and he makes me love this guy. And like that's when the movie transcends its setup, and like I love all the gags that it makes, all the all the, like the clever, fun little things that it does. But more and more, the movie is uh, sort of uses those initial gags as parts of deeper statements. And like, right. like, like I'm really like, especially watching it these days, like uh, the fact that like you're watching this movie, there are like there are no African Americans in this movie, and the movie points this out like it like mm-hmm. it like it, like because the people who are in color in the movie like you'll sit you know, once the yeah. town starts splitting up they're called like, colored they're called coloreds right and so like so you'll see signs in black and white windows saying uh, no coloreds allowed right and so there's this very strong um like very emotional background presence of the people who are not represented in this film that if we didn't point it out you wouldn't have noticed because you are also part of uh, the the Pleasantville thinking, like, like that's the like, right. you, like you watch the Andy Griffith show and and you watch a shitload of it, you're unaware, you don't think about the fact that like there's no African Americans in the show, and I have I, maybe there is I haven't really watched a lot of Andy Griffith, but like this kind of a show, right? Um, it, it doesn't occur to you. Oh, because but if there been,
0: was, they would make a big deal make out of it. A big deal
3: out of it, right? <laughs> and this movie like uh it gets you to the point where all it has to do is put this one little thing uh into the movie and suddenly it becomes an another different deeper movie and you're really aware right. of the assumptions that you've been making and it's a uh, it's a really it's like it's like that they have all this stuff like on the table ready to uh make points with and you barely even notice it in the setup and they and they and they make the absolute most out of every interpretation of this single metaphor that it's about engaging your life and loving others and being responsible to people and uh, loving yourself. Like, these are all the same emotions, and we all have them, so it's not about making fun of the 50s. It's not about making fun of shitty TV. It's about self-realization and being open to one another. And uh, once it gets, gets its hooks into you that way, like, the last half of that movie is like, for me, like emotional revelation after emotional revelation, every single minor character that turns into color ha- gets an emotional beat out of me. And it's really, it's really spectacular. Like when, when uh, what's well, his name? Spider Man defends his bomb.
2: Of the 50s. I thought Don Knotts' character was. Like yeah, and, that.
3: that's the, and that's the least favorite part of the movie for me. Like, Donuts yeah. doesn't work for right. in that
2: movie. But what they're
0: doing also is they're basically saying, oh, you have nostalgia for the 50s, and then, like, look at all the things that they were missing out on in the 50s, right? Right. It's actually kind of the point, a little bit of Peggy Sue Got Married was like, oh, you were nostalgic for when you were in high school. It's like, but you also missed out on all these other things. And now right. that you have that perspective, you know, so it's the same, it's the same thing, right? right. So I think that there's, there's an important, it, it is, it is, it is an anti-nostalgia film. Yeah, right. It's very much an anti-nostalgia film, and which looks- I, I know you know how I feel about that stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah, and like, the, and the thing is that it doesn't like it doesn't rest on its laurels, making fun of like the the funny aspects of the fifties or the controlled aspects of the fifties, because like ultimately em- it embraces the sweetness that it, that that side is trying to represent. Like Joan <laughs> Allen, it's not like Joan Allen becomes like you know Joan Jett. Like she remains. Uh, her 50s self, just a little bit more broad-minded. Or Reese Witherspoon actually right. goes to live there. Yeah. Like, she's like, no, it's really nice. You know, I liked it here. Well hold, she that's doesn't a, want to be a okay, slut, so that,
0: that's, that's a great, those are two great really female characters. That's another thing I really like about Pleasantville is it really shows powerful female growth mm-hmm. in, yeah. in a lot Reese of Reese is a ways. slut
2: From, that goes, a mid slut that goes back to become... You know somebody that doesn't use sexuality in that way, and Peggy Sue is the reverse. Yeah, well, sure. The,
0: okay, so it's the other way. Of, well, yes, but what I liked about where the Spoon's character is that she fell into being a slut, right. but she really was smart, and that's the thing: is that because suddenly she's back where she in in the in in the fifties, somehow she can reset a little bit of her life, and she goes. I don't want to go back to slut. being that character anymore. Well, yeah, and, and like, because it's not worth it, and I, I, I like reading. Like she right. started reading things. Well,
3: like, and I'm gonna, I want to add to this argument in this way. Like, I think because people hammer on this movie for like, oh, you know, like the slut shaming of the '90s, right? And they're just like, I don't know if that's what's happening in this movie because that, like, they actually don't. Mm-hmm. They go like, this is a very sex positive movie. Uh, like Reese Witherspoon. Oh, is, yeah. Like Reese Witherspoon is the force of sex positivity in the movie, right? And it's yep. not that she is realizing that like her realization is not like, oh, sex is bad and I should be ashamed of myself. Like, she is rather realizing I was limiting myself to uh this one aspect of myself defensively, instead of uh mm-hmm. experiencing uh the whole world and sharing the stuff that I love, which is also sex. Like like she she right. like she Well she
0: she's she's the one she's the sex guru of right. Pleasantville, exactly. right? So because she had a very you know, strong sexual background and 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 not necessarily. Actually, she that's what she does is she takes this sl- sl- <laughs> sl- yeah, like uh, the select slut negative or yeah, part of right. slut shaming part of it and turns it around into something. I'll be honest. Here are scenes
2: with her at the uh, diner or the hamburger place. She mm-hmm. yeah to me she looked like Madonna, but yeah, she like did. in the it's early nineties when right. when the sex book yeah, came out. Yeah. She was like channeling yeah. Madonna. In some of the yeah. ways she talked yeah. to the boys,
3: particularly Paul Walker. Yeah. Oh, like I, I think it's strong right. fantastic. Like sexual her cleanup. openness with with talking about sex in the movie is so fantastic. And it's so disarming. Because it's not even, like, it's not like she's doing this in this sort of, like, let's be bad way. It's like, let's have fun. Like, that's her argument. It's like, right. like fucking have fun, man. This is good.
0: Well, okay, hold on. What do you guys think about this? When she talks to her mom about masturbating, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> It's almost as if she wished her mom talked about masturbating oh, that way too. Without hard. a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know? A doubt. Because then she wouldn't have to be a slut because she, just, she could just masturbate. Because
3: of... what's wonderful, yeah, exactly. What's, what's no. wonderful in the movie is that when she does that with um, Joan Allen, like, it doesn't even play Joan Allen's reaction. Uh, like, Joan Allen doesn't have a negative reaction to it at all. She's Can like, you give me one Oh, second, that's fucking guys? awesome. Pardon me yeah, for sure. Like, she doesn't like there's they don't play up a big scene where Joan Allen has to deal with her shame about this because she's just totally unaware of it, right? She, like, Joan Allen is starting from a point of view of not even knowing that sex exists. And Reese Witherspoon is saying, You're a blank slate, so I'm going to tell you, here's what you can like, you can masturbate in the bath, and it's amazing, Mm -hmm. right? And there's no badness about it. Like, there's no, she's not delivering any shame message with that. She's just like, experience this for yourself it's, it's a fucking knockout and that's good right. like it's totally unashamed of it which is really wonderful and like the the statement right. like uh, the the uh, the statement that the movie ultimately makes with her is with uh, Reese Witherspoon is that um, that her
0: but, hold on there is there is shame to it in the sense that it ended up Lighting the tree on fire in their front. Yard. Oh, that's so pa- but that's passion. There was... That's
3: just great. Like the shame of it is Bill Mason. <laughs> yeah, but but, but
0: the, it 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 has negative effects. It caused damage, right? right? Like, so it, like like the
3: the the negative effects are like the like the shame is forced upon her by external forces. The shame is not internal. You know, like she's not right. feeling bad because sex is bad. She's feeling bad because she might destroy her marriage because her her husband. Will will lose his mind, you know. Like I've I've discovered a part of myself that may wreck the life that I have already, you know. But I can't deny right. it. And the and and uh, and for the movie to present it that way, I think is really lovely. And the especially at the end when Witherspoon remains there, it makes an argument saying like there's good aspects to what the Pleasantville is trying to do. Like there's not you're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but um, what she was beforehand you know, what Reese Witherspoon was before she went there, like, she was actually limiting herself sexually because her character was designed, or her character, the way she thought about herself was, she was a bad girl because she was so uh, into sex, when that's not true. She's a good mm-hmm. person who loves sex. And she's allowed to express that in uh, this blank slate world. And when she when she right. finally goes through that process, it actually digs out her own shame that she was using to build her defensive character before. And I think that's really a profound thing to do because I feel that a lot of people, that's
0: another thing that's also interesting is that she, there is no real bad, like in, in the, in the, in the fictional world of Pleasantville, the TV show, there Mm -hmm. is no bad people. There are no bad people. Right. 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 So, so she goes into it as people already assume I'm good. right? Right. Exactly. So, so that's a thing. Right. Uh, um, and it, you know, that's just, you know, yeah.
3: Yeah. Like she, she in the, in the, in the, uh, in the real world, in, the, in our regular world, like she is defining herself through sex negatively. She doesn't have to. Right. It's just that that's what's like, that is the thing that gives her control. So that's the way that she uh, likes to think about it. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a more in control person because I can engage this bad thing. Right. But in fact, sex is good, and she realizes it by teaching that fact, and uh, and, it re- yeah. and, it re- and it and it it releases her from her own internal uh, negative learning. And I think that that's did amazing. people
0: really see her character as bad in, when they when this movie came out? No,
3: it's actually been recently. When you re- or, or... read about people, well, like they, they think of the the flaw of the movie is that you know uh, she's a because because of they use the word slut and there's you know like they frame being sexual is bad i'm like that's this is not true the movie is completely the opposite. Can, yeah
0: and the fact that people see that is what's very disappointing yeah. because i think people are so close it really frustrates me it really frustrates me because people are so quick to put labels of negativity on people yeah it's frustrating. and missing the point of yeah. its subtlety yeah when I mean, the, the I mean, experience listen, is really like, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. My, 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 you know, my, my, my daughter, when she saw this movie, she was like, I hate her. Like, she <laughs> didn't like that character. Right. Cause she's mean. Right. Right. At the sure. beginning of the movie, she's yeah. mean. And I was like, ah, all right, see where this goes. And then she looked at the mom and she goes, I love her. Yeah. I was like, yep. Makes sense. Yep. yep. Because she's learning. But the she only reason that the mom got better. It's because of the daughter yep. helping her get there. Exactly. Exactly,
1: dude. <laughs> right?
0: So the daughter is wonderful because her, the, the daughter is basically like, oh, but is the shit, daughter's, make some good out of all of these
2: experiences. The daughter's technically younger than the mom, but the fact that she I lives know. in a more modern society and went back, that is knowledge. So it shows yeah, that exactly. society has grown.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like and what sort of, and one, of the, one I am gonna I am gonna
0: be picky about uh, the term modern though. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. There's a specific architectural term that's being used here.
0: The uh... it's not architecture, <laughs> it's art. It's yes, art, right? postmodern. Postmodern, modern. yes, exactly. Modernism ended in the in, in yes, the yes, sense. post Como. Exactly. Uh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. So yes. so 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 she's in a postmodern. Era yes, exactly. in, I've been in, watching in, that movie but, you told uh, me to
2: watch. Which one? Which one? Uh Columbia.
0: Oh, oh! I still like seen it. it. I have
3: not seen this yet.
0: You, you see what I'm saying about yeah, it, 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 right?
2: It's beautiful. It's good. But yeah,
0: not I to get uh, Columbus, Columbus, yeah. Columbus. Columbus is what it's called. The thing you, you guys have to watch. I mean, Eric's been watching Columbus. Uh, the, sh- Just Eric. I'm just going to put it out there. The, the DP on that movie shot Green Lantern. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I already
3: okay. know where that's but going. Green
2: Lantern with what's his name? Science of Sleep?
3: No, Green. No, that's Green no. Hornet.
2: Gr-
0: green oh, Lantern, yeah. the 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 shitty the uh, 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 DC comic movie that was uh, with Ryan Reynolds, Supervisor Karen Gallicas. Like yes. it was the terrible, terrible, terrible film. Yeah, it's the epitome of no. bad. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which you, the be, DP, same DP as Columbus, to be, which to be is inclined. one of the best DP'd movies I've seen right. uh, in a long time. Because to be kind yes. to Teenage
3: Mutant Ninja Turtles, that movie is ugly.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: like to, be, so to be very, very gentle about it, that movie is case. terrifically ugly. We
0: will, we will get to Columbus because I think it's, a, I mean, it's,
3: it's an interesting film. I think
0: we can do a show uh, uh, about Columbus
3: at some point. It's a double feature of um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Columbus. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles
0: and Columbus. Nope, not do Can't that. do it. <laughs> There's limits, Dan. But to we end. could do Harry and Kumar go to White Castle in Columbus because it's oh, that's the same a, act.
3: That's a funny movie. I like that movie. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan. i got to catch up on that. I'm uh, particularly interested in uh, architectural movies. I mean, yes. I yeah. I think that, that's uh, an interesting subject unto itself. And find well, we could us.
0: we could do Columbus, and then you know we've been talking about Jacques Tati films forever. Absolutely, so that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah,
3: yep, that's true. A little playtime yep. going on. That'd be nice. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was really um, I was really pleased with the selections this time, uh, and I think that it's interesting that they all like uh, like the all of our favorite time travel movies seem to end on the same kind of note, which is uh, you know like be aware of where you are right now. About Time makes that argument. Uh, 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 Pleasantville makes that argument. Uh, and Peggy mm. Sue got, got, got married makes that argument. And uh, Yeah, Back and, to the Future, not so, the
0: future so not so much.
3: No, Back to the Future is like is just a great, good time. And uh, it's hard to make, like, I would definitely say that it's hard to make a movie more fun than Back to the Future. Like, that is a extremely well-made... Oh, it's a lot of fun. ...entertainment. So much fun. Movie. Unbelievable, yep, yep. Um, but it has the least to say out of everything that we've covered. <laughs> like that is not a that's not a profound movie. That is just a fun movie, and I think that that has that has uh, implications over sort of nerd culture uh, today. Because like I think that we've talked about it a lot, but it's like people love the specificity of gimmickry and uh, and novelty yeah. and. Like it's good fun, but when you watch Back to the Future back to back with something like um, Pleasantville, Peggy Sue, or About Time, like you go, oh yeah, okay, you can actually make a really good, meaningful statement with this stuff. Uh, About and, Time uh, is and there's a little the, bit of a missed opportunity in that. Is the best me. to me. Oh, it's incredible. That was a About movie. Time <laughs>
0: teaches you like you, I, I, if ever you want to sit there and you yeah. want to make the best out of your life. <laughs> and oh, yeah. look my forward god. to the future and appreciate every moment in the life that is presented to you just watch yeah. About Time About time. You, if, if people are listening to this movie, have you're not going to go to a coffee this. shop and you're going to appreciate the packets of coffee of, of sugar yeah. that are presented to you or whatever, whatever. Like, you appreciate everything that is presented have to have you had
2: you. those moments in your life, Dan?
3: oh, the About Time moments? yes, oh yeah, well, my god
2: where you stopped and you're just like alright, I gotta
3: you're in it yeah, like that's that is what I that that is when, when I I'm, I'm when I most when I most appreciate my life is when I'm not even appreciating it at all. I'm just in it, and uh, and for a movie to sort of like identify that as the mechanism of of happiness, like that's perfect. And there are very few movies that do it as well. It's about time for people that have not seen this movie or haven't even heard of it. It's on Netflix. It is the greatest time travel movie I think that we have ever talked about, at least on this show. Absolutely. And, uh, and, it's, and do and not,
0: and, and I will, big, big warning, big warning, and this came to me from, from you, Dan. Do not look at the poster for about time and go, ugh, I don't want to watch this movie. Like some McAdams romance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it looks like a, a rom-com, and, and, yeah. and I'm going to warn you, it is a rom-com in some, to some sense, but it sure. is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in terms of yeah. time travel and appreciation, yeah.
3: for yeah. sure. It's really, it's really something. And, uh, and like, I will tell and so, you, like, can,
0: I, can I tell you guys, because I'm obsessed about this stuff, my little about time moment that is not necessarily about time travel, but just something that suddenly became, like, big with me, and, and it's going to be totally pandering towards something I've become obsessed about, which is uh, fly fishing. Yeah, yes, go for um, it. So uh, I, I have been... Uh, Learning to to fly fish, uh, and I have been working on it for about a year, and I've been working on trying to figure out the right ways to to cast and different things that are going on, and I decided somehow that I was going to try to do this in uh, the the California surf, which is one of the hardest places to fly fish because the surf is big and dangerous and coming at you, not necessarily dangerous, but it's like. You're delivering a very small, thin thing and trying to make it land perfectly into stuff. It's just it's just challenging. And one of the, the the fish that you're targeting that only comes out in the summer. And I remember I said I've been doing it for about a year. Um, is is these these fish called these corbina? And they're extremely subtle, and they 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 come in into very shallow, very skinny water, and uh, you and uh, you target them and they're extremely hard to catch extremely hard to catch right. and i caught one uh uh completely on a fluke um, and uh about a you know several weeks ago and i was like oh my god this is an amazing fish to catch and then suddenly uh i've been going fishing every you know sunday uh, very early in the morning, I'm on the beach in Malibu at like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, and I'm the only, imagine like the beautiful Malibu beach, and I'm the only person on the beach, oh, and the nice, sun is rising, great. and I there are like, you know, dolphins next to me, and sea lions, and I'm like, I'm, it's it's, the, it's gorgeous, right? So to me, this is the like, oh, appreciate the now kind of moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I've always done that, et cetera, et cetera. But then suddenly, there was a thing that happened where the tide was just right and the thing that people have been telling me to watch for suddenly i could see it it was like this, it it was as if it was there the whole time but i didn't know what i was supposed to look for <laughs> right and so suddenly these waves are coming in which to me looked like intimidating waves And then because I've been doing it enough times, suddenly, like, they don't look like spinning waves. And then suddenly I see these little bumps in the waves, and I realize those are the fish that I'm looking for. Uh, And I see these teeny little bumps in the water, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's the Corbina. And I've been looking for these for a year, and they've been there the whole time. And I am now seeing them. And I'm trying to cast, and then I realize they're seeing me, so now I have to be more subtle. So now it becomes this whole hunting like for these fish in this shallow water. And I've been been going up and down the beaches, and I'm like, I get it now, I get it, I get it. And then I realized four hours had gone by, and my back was killing me because I had been casting my line for four hours, and I didn't even know it. And to me, it was like... I get it. Like I missed out on all this. I've been going to the beaches this whole time. I'm like, yeah, the beach is cool. Whatever, There's some waves. Whatever, you know, it's exciting, etc. But suddenly, for four hours, I'm looking at small ripples of water in the beach, and I got really, really excited. And I realized I'd missed out the whole time. Like this is something that one of the, some of the most exciting fishing I've ever done, and I didn't even it catch it. Right that the was whole amazing. Time.
3: That's incredible. And. It- that is the kind of symbolic story that, uh, <laughs> that I love to hear. It was, I was there, and I didn't even realize that what I was looking for was right in front of me.
2: <laughs> right in front of me. It was right in front of me the whole
3: time.
0: And I'm talking like I'm, some of these things beautiful. were like I realized they were swimming between my feet. Yep. Like I didn't yep. even see them until I Definitely. like, like – it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. This world is one of
3: abundance if only you know where to look. Yeah, that's right.
0: and and these are these are like these are the these are yeah the corbina and what's also interesting about it is that I started to, to to pick it all up I was like okay so now I've seen these fish now I don't know what I have to do to actually present a fly to them the proper way so I need I need a new I knew I need a new way to figure that out okay. and then they so uh, through Facebook I, ironically I, I, I met this guy. Who's, who's actually going to help me out because I'm taking all next week off and I'm going fishing all next week uh, uh, So uh, because I have too much PTO so I have, I have to take some vacation time so I'm taking all next week off and I'm going to go fishing every day and this guy said I'll help you out turns out he's a graphic designer in Culver City he works like two, two blocks away from my office but apparently he is like the expert in, uh, in one of the experts in the world. He's writing a book writing a about book. fly fishing for Corbina in California. Uh, that's awesome. And that's what he's been using during his time in isolation for uh for, because of covid so uh, uh he probably will probably end up on one of my podcasts because he sounds like a fascinating person but anyway I'm sitting there and he's gonna he's good, he's gonna tell me. and so my whole thing about like this is this is something that's gonna be emotionally uh uh, uh, in, uh invested in i i don't know I'm excited about this and because this is something that that I missed out on like I, it's been like imagine you go to the beach and you didn't realize all the things that were there that could make your life so exciting and you just, right. just have to look under the yep. sand or under
3: under, under a two service. inch wave yeah. Yeah. there it is there it is Yeah, it sounds like you could make a time travel movie out of that theme <laughs> there's an emotional yes. statement to be made there that's all I'm saying yeah. Martini Giant presents the Corvina, a time travel movie. I mean, I'm, Eddie, I'm, we can, I, yeah. The mechanism can be uh, fly casting. <laughs> I think this is a good idea. You know, the fly casting time travel Is your
2: family okay with your obsession?
0: Well, oh, my God. Eric, you are right on cue. All right, because I was about to say this exact thing. I got on the phone with my mom, right? And my mom said, you sound obsessed like you did when you were a teenager about whatever. I was right. obsessed about something right as we all were as nerds and stuff and so to me that was a condescending remark right, right. but with my wife and my kids they're like you really love this right and it's like and they're 100% supporting me on this because it makes me happy right, right. they want to make me happy but when my mom was like you sound like you're obsessed with that stuff and obsession sounds le- negative mm-hmm. and to me it's like What's wrong with me loving to do this? Just loving it. In fact, my, to it. Karen today you was telling it. me it's like the best part about this fly fishing thing that you've got into is if you can't fly fish, you you have been fl, uh, tying flies. So even when you're not fishing, you still have the ability to 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 exercise that, that, that passion through tying flies. You know. Right. So it's it goes both ways. It's it's great.
1: <laughs>
0: Man, I totally endorse this. it.
2: Could you? Um, You're going to be fly fishing, you think, for the rest of your life?
0: Yeah, this is what I wanted to do.
2: I think. Yeah.
0: I mean, this is something like that's the thing we were Karen and I were talking about it when you know, uh, when we quote unquote retire, is that she we need to find a place where she can go on hikes. And I can fly fish. It's like those are not mutually exclusive. Those are very much combined, right? Yeah, right. We hike to a point where I can fish, and you keep on hiking, and then you come back and get me, and then we go home. You know, like it's that pretty works. easy. Like
3: <laughs> that's, awesome, yeah. that's awesome.
0: So, so yeah, I want to fish. I mean, and fly fishing uh, specifically is uh, is a challenging kind of fishing. Um. I mean, you can, I mean you can you can use conventional fishing for anything, uh, but fly fishing just offers a different level of challenge uh that's very interesting um and 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 there's there was a there was a <laughs> because we're in l a you know a lot of people make mock uh videos or mock commercials or what what are those, spec commercials right Yeah. um and some guy made a spec commercial about fly fishing in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Which you would think, like, think, like doesn't make any doesn't sense, make sense, right? And it, it's, it's very L.A., very LA right? right? And uh, the guy basically goes and he starts off in the morning and gets off on a boat. And this is all true. This is all stuff you can do in terms of fly fishing in Los Angeles. He get, he goes on a boat off of Marion Del Rey and they go fly fishing for mako sharks. <laughs> what Uh, out of uh, in uh, out in uh, between here and catalina island there's some mako sharks and you can actually fish for some big game fish with fly rods it's just a little bit it's a different way of fly fishing so he starts fly fishing for mako sharks (laughs) off of you know uh uh, between here and catalina island Mm -hmm. and then comes back and then does the new thing that's big is uh, uh carp right so carp is like the poop fish right they like they're not they're not <laughs> yep. glorious fish at all but they're extremely turns out they're extremely big fighting fish right they will they will pull your line and be extremely hard to catch because right. they're very picky and very challenging and it turns out that fly fishing is a really good way to try to uh, get a fly uh, to get a to get a carp and guess where there's a bunch of big ugly carp is actually the L.A. River, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right? Makes so sense. you go and you wade amongst the, the you know the syringes and the, and the shopping carts, and you can actually find 14 pound carp in the L.A. River, and it's like one of the biggest battles of fishing you can do. It's like wow. it's it's like a big deal, and so people are actually there's a lot of people it's like home life fishing. fishing, yes, and that's another thing that's very interesting. So so then he goes okay, so he goes from Mako Carp fishing, then he goes to that and then he goes to um back to uh the edges and you can go for uh kelp bass or or, or calico bass and then Corbina as well. So there's actually tons of ways of fly fishing in Los Angeles that are kind of like you know, I didn't know you you expect you know river runs through it and 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 Montana but <laughs> you know but
3: you you but take a syringe and you tie some pigeon feathers to it then you have a new fly for the uh, yeah, L.A. river yeah. it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well I just, I just I just went today
0: I just went today I was really worried because there's a fly shop that's in you know in the valley in Van Nuys that mm-hmm. I go to. And then I went to their website, and their website had like the the pages down, right? And because of COVID, I was like, "Oh shit, I wonder if they, the, 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 the 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 fly shop closed down because of you know COVID, right? right. Specialized shops like that have a short lifespan possibly. Yep. So Karen said, "Well why don't you just do a drive by and see if they're still open? You know you haven't been out of the house, and you know, just get in your car and drive for a little bit." Mm-hmm. So I did, and ended up going to Van Nuys. And uh and they were open and everyone was wearing <laughs> their fishing gators, right? So they all had their fishing gators right, on nice, that they normally nice. wear. And so they're all getting ready to go because it's you know, quote unquote fourth of July weekend when we're recording this. And so they're all ready to go up to the Kern River and do some trout fishing in the Kern River. But I was like, No, I'm going for Corbina and I was like, But I wanna I need some material to tie for uh flies and all the materials that i needed were were gone it's like oh yeah all that it's like it's corvina season so we don't have this specific material to do that stuff and so suddenly i was like i'm in the, i'm in this i'm in a complete i you know i'm in this other world like i'm in these guys and they're like oh chris they knew me because I've been to that shop before. It was like, "You're into Corbina now. We get you. You got that bug. <laughs> you know, you're going to get into this. This is going to be so much fun." They were excited for me for being that person. Wow.
1: Oh, so, so, you know what I mean? It's like,
0: "Oh, Chris, you got it. You got the bug. You got the Corbina bug. You get it." Yeah, because because, you know, when I started hanging out with them, that was back in the in the in the winter. And now it's the it's the summer when the Corbina are coming in. They're like, "Oh, yeah. There you go. You found your thing." <laughs> I don't know. It's just, to me, it's like all those things, like I missed in life, like, you know, fly fishing is some of it, you know? And the reason I missed out on fly fishing, uh, uh, when I was in college is because it's expensive. That's the problem with fly fishing. It's expensive. Fly rods, fly, fly tackle, all that stuff's expensive. It's much cheaper to get a, you know, $35 reel and some monofilament and you can you can be pretty effective with that, but with fly fishing gear, it's more expensive. So that's well, why. Well, I mean,
3: do you like you—that's uh, your Peggy like, Would, would right you there. think that you were the kind of person back when you were a kid that would appreciate fly fishing, or did you have to wait until now to appreciate? It? I, th-
0: no, I knew I knew back then that that's what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but, it ex- but it was but it was expensive, it was expensive. And, and it's really challenging. Literally, I mean, I'm not even kidding you. It's taken me a year of going to the beach every week and failing. <laughs> sure. Right. 10, hours right failing yeah, exactly. every right. time. Like, it's basically right. saying, it's like, yeah, I want to learn how to fish, but I want to fly fish in the surf in California. That's like me saying, I want to learn uh, to be a musician, and I'm going to start with the French
3: horn. Like, yeah. it's Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> And I'm going to start in the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know,
0: there's a lot. There's a steep learning curve. But I kept at it. You know, that, that's the thing. It's like, I got nothing to lose. At, at worst case scenario, I'm at the beach in Malibu. <laughs> yep. Right.
3: You know what I mean, exactly. Yeah. No, it's not, not exactly the right. It's like <laughs> the, anything that you truly, you know, because like anything you truly, truly love takes no time at all. It just takes all your time. You know, it's like you like you have no problem spending an enormous amount of time doing it because you love it, and you don't notice the time going by because you love it, and then it turns out that some certain things uh, require an enormous amount of patience and are very difficult, and uh, and you have to spend you know your x many hours before you even accomplish the smallest possible uh, version of it. But if you're not goal centric, if you're not like I got to learn to fly fish today. Then you will enjoy yourself even when you're not catching fish, and that right. is why it's a symbolic story.
0: <laughs> well, I think what's also really great about it is that you know I I, I do take some pictures every now and then, but most mm-hmm. of the time I don't. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Most of the time, I just appreciate the moment I'm in. Right? Yeah.
3: Exactly. yeah. Well, is that your philosophy and, on picture taking generally, on like a, a vacation-wise, or anything like that? That's, the, that's try, the way I try. To I pay.
0: take pictures. I trade it. I take pictures every now and then. It was like. If I, see the, if I see a picture that's that, – because a lot of times I'll see something. Like I'm looking out on the ocean and I'll see some dolphin jumping, right? Or right. something unbelievable, right? right? And I'm looking like – it's like there's no way that I'm going to be able to capture this on camera. So why the fuck right. am I going to try to pull out my phone and take a picture of this? Right. Because why don't I just don't experience I just- it with my eyes and appreciate it as it is? Yeah. And, that, and that's what I'm going to do.
3: Thanks. Yeah, because I mean like I love I love photography, but when I'm photographing wow. things, I'm put, I'm enjoying the photographing of them. I'm not like trying to remember what I'm already seeing. Like the like Thank photography is its know. own That's experience good. for me. Uh, whereas right. like if if I'm in a place that I love, experiencing a good time with people that I love, like it's the last thing I think about. It's like taking a snapshot of us doing that. I'm already doing it. <laughs> you know? Right. It's like who cares? Right. I'm already there. <laughs> you know, I yeah. I remember it yeah, yeah, perfectly yeah. fine myself. You know. But no, I totally hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally hear it. But yeah, the uh I, I'm I'm very much into that uh that uh that statement now, just generally speaking, and in film, the idea of like, you know, just you know, find what you love right now and make sure that you pay attention to experiencing that. Like that's the only thing you really need to be doing is uh is is find find a way to be at peace doing the thing and being in the moment, as opposed to striving to get to a place because Striving is unpleasant. <laughs> like, striving takes all of the fun out of whatever it is that you love. And, uh, you know, like, some things may be difficult. Fly fishing takes an enormous amount of time to get straight. But that's not striving. Like, that's just doing. And, like, you are right. lear- you're learning to fly fish. That's part of fly fishing. You know, you're not like, I have to get to a particular point, otherwise I'm a failure. Or I have to do this one thing, or otherwise my life is worthless. You know, and, right. uh, and like, these kinds of movies, like, you know, the ending of... Um, you know, uh, uh, Peggy's got married, and in particular, I love the ending of Pleasantville when she's on the bench and it pans back and forth to. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. The, uh, to uh, love uh, it, narrate,
0: narrate that scene because it was brilliant, and I, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts about how, what you think that means. But tell, explain what it is, because at this point we realize like everyone's gone through their own version of an awakening, right? Right. And they've all turned into color of some kind, right? And, right. And and and. Uh, 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 the mom uh, did hers through her sexual revolution, but also fell in love with Jeff Daniels, right? Yes, right. And Jeff Daniels right. is the artist and painted her nude, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but then her act, her husband in the movie is played by William H Macy, goes through his own awakening uh, mm-hmm. as he starts to break free from the let's call him Trump supporters. Uh, at, <laughs> right. at that side, right so um, so he breaks free from that and becomes zone awakening, so now that that 's happening we're at the end of the movie. explain that that scene, and what 's your interpretation of that
3: well the uh, the that it, the movie's definitely like it 's rounding the men doing doing it sort of like a um, post montage uh, sum up of everything that 's happening, like you see Reese Witherspoon has gone back to Pleasantville, we see that uh, uh, What's his name has gone back to real life and uh like all this is sort of like just it's the uh it's the coda of the movie. And mm-hmm. it catches up with all the characters that you've seen what they're doing in town and how town is how the town is better and all this stuff. And it gets to Joan Allen, and Joan Allen is sitting on a bench and uh having a conversation with um uh uh what uh what's his name? Anyway, like uh with her husband. And uh and William James Mason. Mason. And uh, and he has this realization of just like, I don't, you know, like, he says, like, I don't, what's going to happen now? You know, like, then they say, well, like, what's going to happen now? And he says, I have no idea. And then he starts laughing about it, like, I have no idea. And it pans to Joan Allen, and she's laughing, like, if this is a good realization. Like, I have, we have no idea what is next. And that is the thing we were most afraid of before, that concept. And then it pans over, and now William H. Macy is not there. Instead, it's Jeff Daniels. And he goes, I have no idea either. Right? And right. to me, like, and to be combined with um, uh, when uh, what's the main character's name? The actor who played Spider-Man? Uh, 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 Toby. Toby McGuire. Toby McGuire is saying uh, is having this final conversation saying, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anyone. You don't have to like you don't have to do you don't have to do anything, like every, like you you should be open to what is happening to you, right? And I think that that is what is happening for uh, Bill Macy, Joan Joan Allen and um, and uh, and the Soda Jerk, in that ending scene. Joan Allen is like she's like there's there's all these possibilities now, like I may end up with Bill Macy, I may end up with uh, Jeff Daniels, I may not, I don't know, but. Because I don't know, that's not that doesn't mean that I'm frightened of it, and uh, yeah. and the, and the fear of that moment is gone. And when that was the fear that was dominating their lives, for most of the film, and I think it's a it's a really sort of like awesome, almost abstractly Zen way to put it. You know, she is like completely in the moment so much that the continuity of the character sitting next to her isn't even important. <laughs> you know, it's just like. Whoever is sitting next to me, I will experience this person. And then the well, movie does exactly what was, that.
0: Was the way, it's interesting you say that, and I think that's a great way of saying it. I, lo- I love that, that, that interpretation, and I think it's a, a great one. But the way I always thought it is, like, what if, what if I realized that they were actually the same person?
3: Yeah, exactly. Right. That's a, what way, if that's they a great were, way to look at it. Like,
0: like, what if they were, like, you know, what if she basically said, oh... It's as if there was two sides to my husband. Husband, yeah. Right? That's, perfe- the that's responsible perfectly reasonable. The
3: responsible yeah. Exactly.
0: And the one exactly. that was basically the artist. And right. I have to support both of them. I have to support the guy who's going to support my family. And I, mm-hmm. su- and I have to let him live his dream. Right? Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I think that's yeah. a, it's a beautiful way to look at it. Like, like, because like, the, these aren't ultimately, and this is the way I feel about, I've said this before, but like, this is the way I feel about all movies, is all movies all the, all characters in a movie are you in some way the good the bad whatever it is like if the movie is done right there are aspects of your of the of the audience and yeah. there's a like and if you like if you're watching star wars you some part of you sympathizes with darth vader some part of you sympathizes with like and if the movie is doing this job correctly it's representing that argument well even when um, that character is a villain, even when that character is doing bad things. You still understand what is happening, and part of you feels it. And I think that that uh, Jeff Daniels and um, and William H Macy, like I I've been both of those guys in my life, and so to imagine them as a single person is easy. It's me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And I think that that's the. I think you're exactly right. Like that's the, that's the voice of the movie. The movie is saying like, look at these parts of yourself. And allow them to exist, and don't try to tamp them down. Like let them be free, and uh, and if you do that, then you can find actual happiness. It's really it's really astonishing the, the distance the movie goes to make a a very non Hollywood sentiment like that. What's up, Eric?
2: From oh hey hi guys. No, I hey, I hey. felt to me that felt like a like a reshoot just to put it a, a bookend on the movie. Because really felt, my golly yeah wow talk about it because it was just the way it was shot it just seemed to me like they needed to bookend her character and his character because it they probably said Well, what about those guys there's no resolution but for me i saw the resolution with her if she posed naked for him that's basically says every, that told me everything she felt oh, confident I feel enough it. yeah you know, And so seeing her painting, to me, was boom. I got her character. I don't need to see her anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? I yeah, saw I that you. painting, I and I saw her arc as a character as an image of a painting. And you know that if she got naked for him, she's probably fucking him on the side, or something else happens. <laughs> Sorry, you have to be so that. a different movie. The but point yeah, is, yeah. That I didn't need to see that again. And with Macy, the way he went through this arc of going to the bowling alley in the rain, it was so pathetic, but it his only way is to go up, you know? And he was just as dopey as he was in in the bowling alley. Like, well, I don't know. And it, to me, it just was, it seemed like a pasted ending. That's right. all. Yeah. And I liked the movie a lot. I agree in the beginning there was TV devices, not literally like the TV mm-hmm. remote, but the Don Knotts thing was yeah. a Sticky. different type of movie yeah. than when they go mm-hmm. inside. Right. And right. It would almost, uh, an edgier way would have been them smoking pot and the pot's bad. And they end up in the (laughs) town. Do you know what I mean? Or something like this PCP in the pot. And it's just like, because the mom's away. And she's like, I'll have a hit before my boyfriend comes. And all of a sudden, you know, they're in the television. So that to me. But I felt like Joan Allen was just as strong as Peggy. She because when Nick Cage was with her and she had awoken and it was the end, she was, pardon me, a very strong character. Right. And she's like, don't worry. da da, da. She just had the upper hand and she was mature and she knew who she was, where he right. didn't seem. it, Joan Allen seemed like she knew who she was and she was reassuring right. to William H. Macy. And you know, in a way, <clears throat> you didn't need to see that. Um, for me, that's all. No, I hear what you're saying, and so I feel like the, I agree, the
0: difference is. I agree well, with you. Go ahead. I, I agree with you, Eric. That that it, that possibly it might felt felt like a reshoot. I, I totally get your point of view on that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, There's but, a. Pardon me, quickly, and I'm sorry, Chris. I'm sorry. It was very little literal how they got there, and very technical. Yes, like, right. It's a little bit like I totally right? get it. And then in the middle, it's like really great filmmaking and engaging, and you see all these characters grow. And then, you know, like you were saying, the people become colored, and all of a sudden you can see the implications. And all of a sudden, it's bookend with a little gimmick at the end to wrap it up with a bow. And I was like, man, well, I didn't need that. I Just, get it. I you know, because it's TV, it. becomes a really cool film, becomes TV again.
0: I get it. And maybe this is just me, and, and that's fine because, you know, that's, that's what it is. But, yes, it felt like, oh, shit, we never wrapped up. Because what you said, you're right. Maybe the, 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 the motivation at that scene was, oh, shit, we never wrapped up William H. Macy's character. We never like because we didn't have to because we had. She found this guy. She's with this guy. We don't need William H Macy anymore. But they never really wrapped it up,
2: right? Well, they didn't wrap she, it up in, in in King of Comedy. Rupert no, Pupkin, I hate I, looking at myself. God, I got to lose weight. I got to go on the Epstein. I know, diet. I got but video. but basically,
0: it. like you know, the, the the well, they never wrapped up the mayor either. Like what happened to the mayor, right? But somehow you felt empathy for William H Macy, and he needed to be. Uh, uh, Emphasized with like, you could not just sort of leave the dad out there hanging to dry. Why not? Well, they didn't i have a dad. That, like,
3: This is and the you thing. Never even like, saw I, I agree. Dad. I agree that the, that this like this moment in the movie feels different than the rest of the movie. And you answered it earlier, shit. Dan.
2: You answered it earlier. Uh, you said earlier that not only is Chris a bad person. No, you, what did you say? You said <laughs> that. They probably sold it With all the hooks Oh yeah And totally. then they Right? Yeah So they just had sure. to wrap it So they saw it said I need the ending Like the beginning You know In the screening room And that's right. what they
3: like, did I, I, feel, I feel where you're coming from Because I, I definitely think That Speaking feels, about endings it As It feels beginning. different than yeah. like, like, well, I just want to sum this one part up Like the, the, That I, I definitely agree That it feels like A separate moment Apart from the rest of the movie In the same way That the beginning Feels like a separate moment The beginning feels like A separate moment bad Right, but the ending actually stands out for me as one of my favorite endings of this kind of a movie because it's no longer related to the story you're watching. Like it's it plays for me, it like isn't. a it is literally it is literally a coda in like it is a it's a, almost uh like reading a the quote that ends a novel. You know, it's like I'm going to well, like, what skipping, happens now? Well, it's like yeah, it's like it's 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 re it's reframing. Uh, like the you know, like the 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 last two pages of any given the, the uh, of any given novel, or if you um, you know you end a novel with a quote, you're sort of summing up the meaning of the movie in a single, uh, summing up the meaning of the story in a single sequence. And if it were simply reshoots, then they would have been like, "What's happening with Bill Macy?" Well, he's gone back to work with the so-and-so, right? And they could have easily shot that. But instead, they give us this very strange little. Cherry on the Sunday that made me think about. What but I that cherry seeing. on the Sunday seemed improv to me,
2: which was just like yeah, I th- in, I think the way it was cut, well, is, To me, and right. I was, it just seemed like a different moment in the making of it.
3: That's all. Oh, I, to- I, I totally agree. I just like the, the difference is that I like. I think that they're such in the for me they're so in the groove that they are they're reinforcing the statement they've made with the movie and sort of putting it more in my lap as something to say. And They're really spelling like
2: it that. out. Hey, I don't
3: yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. That's, like and, I, and, says, I enjoy, and I enjoy that. That's the the difference is that I like. I like
2: now? That. I
3: which, don't right. know.
0: And that's Her the whole posing, point, right? Yeah. The whole yeah. point yeah. point is like I don't know what happens in the future, and that's the beauty. But of it. my
2: thing is, if you are if posing <laughs> naked for a guy who's learning how to paint, you've already oh, kind yeah. of I mean, accepted. Eh? Yeah,
3: without a doubt, I but don't like, care. That, that, that part that part is about Joan. Like what you're talking about, that seems about Joan Allen. The final scene, the sum up scene, is about me. That's the difference. And like the and like if it had simply been if they just landed on one, like I don't know what's going to happen next. And that was the best wait! I just want to say this one thing. I want to say this one thing. If they just landed on that one line to hammer that line, that would have been a flatter ending. But instead, because they do this very strange, uh, sh- like swapping of characters and break the reality of the movie intentionally. That's what makes me think about what the movie means in the moment that I'm I know what you're saying. That's why I liked it.
2: The, actually, the best ending would have been is Macy mm-hmm. sitting next to, what's his name? The painter.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, the two of them right, oh, on right. the bench. Oh, right. I don't right. know.
2: And
0: then making out?
2: No. And then just like, they decide to go for next? it. next? What happens right. next? I don't know. And William right. has the same thing. But the fact that she was in there seem like a like a reiteration of how her character was right okay,
0: so i basically what i said you know the way that i saw it is like what if they're the same person right what if william yeah. h macy and Jeff Daniels were the right. same person Could and, be. Then, and i also said like you know she supports them no matter what and that's a thing that i think is interesting because i when i say that i'm like the whole point of the 50s is m- the man stands by her. The woman stands by her man, no matter what, right? It's right. Whether he's an artist or whether he's which a, is the whatever, way it should be, which is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the way it should be. So, go. so, so the point is, I didn't see it that way. Okay. I just saw it as like, much like Peggy Sue got married. Like, oh, you didn't realize that your husband is also a fabulous singer and that he has a real ambition to do this because right. you were too. Caught up in his popularity, yes, to right. to really look at what he was as a real person. You have a fixed image which is in your what mind. She of who this is. in that movie,
3: right? You have a fixed image in your mind as to who your husband is, and you can't see beyond it because all you've ever inter- interacted with is that fixed. Image. Well, this is and, before he was her husband. This is when right. he was
0: her right. high school boyfriend, and you're the most right. popular girl, and he's the most popular guy. But right?
3: but with the, with the ending of Pleasantville, what you're saying is like there may be a Jeff Daniels within Bill Macy
1: exactly they're the same person
0: i think they are the same person and so i do agree with what you said eric it felt pasted on in some ways but i saw it differently right yeah uh you know because i am you know i feel that i have multiple multiple parts of me that are that need to be interpreted you know there's part of me that's like hardcore virtual production cg geek you know, loves architecture. The nude so jerk. Loves fly fishing. You know, absolutely. So, so, so oh, there. And I'm gonna be okay with that. And the fact is that I have a family that that appreciates both of those things. So, exactly. Um, that's when so you. That's,
3: that's, that's, when you right. <laughs> that's when you know you're doing it right. That's when you know you're. Yeah.
0: Right. And 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 I think that's okay, right? Because the the term, you know, when you when you said like your family, what does your family think about your obsession? they're great with it because they make it because they they like seeing me happy
3: (laughs) that's how to experience someone is you want them to be happy like you want to be around people when they're happy and uh, yeah are you happy most of of the time
0: uh no i'm not happy most of the time i am you know uh, interestingly speaking uh through this isolation i have been forced to focus on my happiness um Mm -hmm. and um and that's actually been very rewarding what i've also realized is that uh being being stuck with my immediate family uh for for months and months uh has actually been very rewarding <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, because it turns out you like each actually other done really well <laughs> as a family right and uh right. that's been yeah. fun so i don't have I, I actually it's been good it's been very good what Dan, about you eric uh, about me yeah what, what do you mean you know hanging out with
2: you know your your, your are friend. you happy
3: most of the time <laughs> am I happy, happy
2: most of the time no no not not in a bad way I'm just not happy yeah uh, I think uh, but I am happy but I'm happy with my family but I think I'm happy uh, I'm not happy when I'm not I just basically I have to spend part of my day creating then yeah. I'm happy mm-hmm. It's yep. weird. As long as I'm physically drawing or writing or doing something other than that, I, I'm, I get miserable. And so it's like I've been very prolific. Uh, that's
3: good. Since that's where lockdown. you find your peace, right? That's your peace.
2: Yeah, but what bothers me is that I need to be prolific a lot to find mm-hmm. peace. And that's what scares me.
0: Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? I it's that. like,
2: oh, God, I got to do this for 10 hours. Well, why can't I relax and fly fish? <laughs> right, well, which also it, takes 10 hours went,
0: we, we went over to our, our our neighbors on vacation so she's letting us use her her pool uh so we went over to our next door neighbor and hung out over there and the kids were having a great time and i was having a great time but in the back of my mind uh i, I had just gotten all these uh uh fly tying equipment in the mail and i was like thinking about tying a specific kind of fly and I was saying like I'm gonna do it this way I'm gonna do it this way like I had it all in my mind of how I was gonna do this thing and it was almost like you know like thinking about what it was gonna look like and what equipment I'm gonna use and what color and how I was gonna fly this and then I was gonna do this kind of dubbing and what kind of knot I was gonna use like it was all in my and I was like just can you just part of me was like you know you're right there's the obsession part right like why don't you appreciate the moment of hanging out and doing a cannonball on top of your kid and making him laugh? You know, what I mean, like do that as opposed right. to thinking about the fly fishing thing. But uh, so, yeah, I, I get it. Some it's sometimes it is obsessive, but I do want to bring up bookends, very important bookends that I'm surprised none of you guys have talked about yet, specifically about cinematography and Peggy Sue Got Married. Oh, the mirror shots. Two shots beginning, yep. And yep. End, beginning and end, are yep. both big mirror shots, which yep. are big
3: gags yep yeah they're mo- They modestly weren't that successful good. yeah they're modestly successful they they work modestly. they work well enough, yeah like the like it is it is definitely the you, you go through the wind like anytime you go through a mirror, you know then you're traveling to another land, like it's an Alice in Wonderland style moment, and uh, it's interesting that they do that once in the beginning and once in the end to have. The in, the uh, sort of into and out uh, intro and outro devices, but I, what I really like is that the intro device uh, is way earlier than you would have expected. Like it's sort of like it happens basically at the fr- the very front end of the movie, which makes it about you traveling to this place, rather than her traveling. They kicked out the technical, like I was talking about earlier. Like, right. how
2: do we get there? Well, it's a controller, and the old guy shows up at your door. Yeah. Da, da, da. Yeah, That's that kind of, how bad. did we get there? The, but the point is, those devices were taken out,
3: which I liked. Yeah. I, per, I, per, right. I, much, I totally agree. I much prefer no device. There's no reason for a device. The movie, movies are fantasy. You don't have to do this stuff. And uh, the demand, the sort of the nerd culture demand for... Rationalization of fantasy is bizarre to me. I don't understand why we need that so bad. Why know. is that though? Uh, because we, I think that it, it makes us feel safe in uh, enjoying things. Like people can't criticize it if it's, you know, scientifically accurate or something like this. And you know, it's like who fucking cares? You know, like use science, like use this kind of stuff if it's a part of the movie. Like Back to the Future uses gimmickry, uses gimmickry well because it's the it is the movie. The movie is a, is a giant. Uh, you know, song and dance gimmick. That's why it's fun, you know. Right. Um, but if you're doing it to, like, make me feel safe and, and liking the film, then it's a mistake. You know, that's just a waste of my time. I'm here to watch a movie. I already understand that it's not real. I'm, I'm here to buy into it. And, in fact, like, uh, adding this layer of, like, a Don Knotts shows up in his magic van. It's like, fuck, man. I don't, why do I need this stuff? Like, <laughs> trust me with believing in the film. I promise you I'll get it. You know, yeah, and that's the yeah. uh, and that sort of continued on throughout like the way that we look at all, you know, like Marvel films and all this stuff and you know, online, you know, people dissecting. Like, Wait a minute, how does Captain America's shield have the velocity plus the momentum to decapitate the blood? And you're just like, who fucking cares? <laughs> like, there are why are you watching a fucking movie? This? You're watching a fucking movie, dude. Like, relax. <laughs> there are a lot of people who
2: think that way, which is really, it, it kills me. It's just no, it's a a waste of time.
0: But the problem I have is that basically, like when, okay, I'll 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 put it. You're watching a fucking movie. I hundred percent agree with. But then, Mm. there is people that are sitting out there on social media. They're basically saying, "Look at this," and then I's like, "But hold on, that doesn't make any sense." And I use the same kinds of arguments, and they basically Mm. say, "Who the fuck cares about the facts?" Just care about the argument. (laughs) Right, 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 right. But they're trying to make an argument about something that's factual in real life, not just trying to tell a story about Peggy Sue got married. That's, I'm fine with Peggy Sue got married slipping on the facts, right? Right. She goes to a lodge, for God's sakes. It's the goofiest. I mean, that is definitely not a Coppola moment. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? It's like she goes to a lodge to travel back in time. It's like, ugh, okay, whatever. You yeah. know, that's fine. That's goofy, whatever. But, like, when you sit there and you say, like, no, don't care about the facts because I'm just trying to prove an argument. It's like, don't prove an argument with
3: mis-facts. Well, yeah, like, I think that, I think you can say, like, it, like, Sorry, by...
0: can you tell I had an argument on 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 social media today about this stuff?
3: <laughs> Did you? No, like, I think, I, like I think the way to look at it is like, do you no. go
2: on social media and have arguments, Chris? I try not to.
3: The values, time, I promise. The uh, the <laughs> like like I think that the best way to look at it is like um, that the movie needs to play by the rules that it sets up for itself, like and like those are the only like those are the only things you really need to do. Like uh like for instance like Apollo 13 needs to abide by uh the scientific laws it talks about within the film. Like as right. is right. as is relevant to the film. It doesn't have to actually be scientifically relevant in any other aspect. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter to me actually. Um but in terms of what it's saying the drama is then that's the agreement I have with it, right? And it's sort of like, because that, that, that works at all scales. Like, the, the realism level of Die Hard is established early in Die Hard, and it pretty much doesn't break that. You know, like, it's saying, like, we're still basically a fantasy adventure, but you can step on glass in this one. And it makes that a mechanism of why the movie is tense, right? Whereas, like, you know, in other, there are plenty of other movies where you don't need that to be true, and it works just as well. Right But within the realm Of what they establish In Die Hard It needs to do that
0: What's right. going on Is someone getting fireworks Or someone getting shot It's my neighborhood Really? Yeah uh, it's Fireworks Fourth of July stuff No Fourth it's July.
2: every night Guys drive by And just throw out M80s and stuff. Really? Yeah Keep your toes It's uh, protesters and stuff yeah. Wow Yeah it's like Beirut every night Gives a little. My Chihuahuas don't like it, but it's fine. As long as they don't come on the property, I'll pull out my bat again, like I did on the guy it. Robbed us. Right. And try to pull out. Us. Pull out
0: your your khakis and your pink shirt, your M80, and your uh, that guy, uh, right? AK.
2: That is not the. I would have swapped shirts fast if I was that guy. <laughs> the,
0: the 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 salmon salmon pink shirt. The salmon pink shirt with <laughs> the white, like the Brooks so Brothers
2: loafers. It's like oh, we should have quickly changed.
3: That's how to be can't.
2: camos or something. <laughs> the, 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 the optics on that just don't look good? You know, if I was, quickly, let me change, right? Yeah, because it just you look at that he, phone. It's a like,
0: sex machine.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, that was. You can't you, you lose every argument looking like that with an A a What is it? AR fifteen? Whatever it is. <laughs> So, but no, I, I really thought Peggy Sue was—it's it, a great film. There really was The music was so powerful. The music really fan of John set Perry. the tone. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Also, remember that was her. Remember her in Body Heat. That was she was that's on a, fire good movie.
3: in
2: the eighties. Yeah, oh my god, Body yeah. Heat's
3: a good movie. Sexy movie, fun oh movie. what was what was good the other big one, big
2: one that she did? Romancing the Stone. Yeah,
3: there you go. Yeah, Luke, I love that movie. She That's was funny. so
2: good, and she really mm-hmm. did. She was wonderful. She really was complex and sexy, and I just, I really liked her a lot in this. And I, I realized how he made a great little film, but he did probably kowtow to people because of the previous films. Um, yeah. He also did the one that I loved with those scrims, where he painted scrims about the heart, one from the heart? Oh, one from
3: the heart, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a really yeah. interesting movie. I like that movie a lot. It's uh, like With and there's a little strings. bit of that. Yeah, there's a little bit yeah. of that in Peggy Sue. Like in the transition when she goes back in time. Like it, there's, there's there's definitely the transition between the dance and when she first wakes up back in the past. Like there's a, there's a visual flavor of one from the heart going on right there. I was really aware of it. Like the flashing red lights, like all this is same kind of candy colors. Yeah, it's stuff all theater. It's beautiful. All the theater stuff. Yeah, really it's great. So nice.
0: Since we're on the Coppola thing and. Um, I've I've actually, actually wanted to do a, 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 a Rumblefish and Outsiders uh mashup. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting. Be, right, because Fish people have talked people, about like those those two stuff. films. Yeah. They they came out almost the same time, right? Right. Yep. Um yep. Uh, but, actually directed just, one, I
3: can't remember who directed the other.
0: He directed Rumblefish, I believe.
3: Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: Uh so I think that would be an interesting pairing to talk about because it's been, and and you know what, it it just goes along the lines of things that people have forgotten that maybe would be good to talk about back on this podcast. But I'm still curious, and especially now, like especially now when I see so many ideas of, you know, make America great again, and I Hmm. hate to say that sentence, but a lot of this comes down to the 50s. A lot yep. of this comes down to the '50s, yep. and it is about something about the '50s that made people feel good that they feel they need to go back to that
3: the 50s is and, safety the 50s is safety and is like, it, I really, I really is feel like it like my, my feeling about the 50s I mean like my, my dad was in World War II, and like he didn't like to talk about that very much, and it's because well, like, war, you know, as, as well as we think of World War II, World War II was a tremendously traumatic event for everybody, like, in every possible right, way, right. and, uh, and you know, this ongoing horror show, millions of people dying, you know, for five straight years, more, actually, if you, you know, like, that's just America's involvement, and, uh, you know, America gets into this thing, and, you know, the guys come back, and they're completely screwed up, um, and, You know, like, thanks to the GI Bill and stuff like this, like, we, you know, like, build houses for them and try to take care of them and all this kind of stuff. And the whole idea is, like, we're going to make things nice for you because you sacrificed so much. But at the same time, nobody really knew how to deal with shell shock, PTSD, this kind of stuff. And so there's a lot to bury. And you want to pretend, like, things are fine. You know, like, you have a wife. Your wife isn't, you know, working, building airplanes. She's waiting for you cooking meatloaf you know uh and like i think that 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 mindset is so protective about trauma um that we it's sort of like we built a little sort of disney fantasy land for ourselves uh to try to recover in and then that was shattered again by more trauma and so we're we feel vindictive towards the shattering of that the 50s only lasted for 10 years you know it's like when people talk about you know uh you know uh, the the bozos that support the Confederacy. You know, it's like the like someone pointed out on the line, like fucking Pokemon Go had a longer shelf life than the Confederacy, and here you guys are, like, you know, moping about it, it never coming back. Like it was it was a couple of years that you barely had your shit that had that shit together, and it was bad for everybody. Right. And with the with the fifties, you only had, you had a decade where everyone, all the media, pretends to be super shiny perfect nice everyone's gentle home life is perfect you know everyone's handsome and charming and nothing is wrong right and uh and that lasts until approximately 1963 you know yep. and then things totally fall apart again because you can't keep with Can that plastic assassination match. right exactly and so the so once that's gone you know you have an entire lifestyle um embedded in people who are young at that point where I remember when things were incredibly good because I lived in fucking Disneyland. you know. I lived where like my mom and dad were handsome and beautiful and we lived in this little ranch house and it was lovely and everything was fine and all the movies were happy. right? And I want to get back to that because real life is actually complicated and painful and difficult to deal with sometimes and I'm resentful that you took it all away from me. And I think that that right. is a hallucination. I think it's frankly a hallucination. And so, like, the, the, the Make America Great Again thing is calling to a, uh, a, a theme park, an American theme park that only existed for a wink of an eye. Uh, and it was to cover up the trauma of this devastating war that the world was a part of. Now, that's, that's where I really right. feel like that comes from. And I, th- I think that, like, obviously, you know, it reaches, now it reaches even deeper back into a previous war trauma with slavery and everything else. Like those are just traumas connecting each other. Like the fantasy of everything being great leads to the fifties, like you're saying. You know, like people imagining their lives were Pleasantville, and that is only because you were five, to paraphrase John Stewart. You know, and everything looked fine when it wasn't fine. Right. You know, right. You're, you're kidding yourself. We talked about this
0: before. Like you know, your dad came back from the war, and sometimes he sits at the kitchen table and cries. And yeah, you exactly. Pretended that didn't happen. <laughs> right.
3: Right exactly, you know, and it's and like the the uh, our inability uh to be you know empathic towards each other because we are trying to defend something that is basically non-existent is uh is really sad it's very very sad to me
0: right
2: i always i i always see this fifties as though we were thrust into being a really wealthy country <laughs> yeah that's we part were. Of it, sure i agree i agree. And okay, we didn't so know what right. to do with the wealth. We didn't no, know how. To, because because the, think about it. Back the in the thirties, we were not the wealthiest country. That's right. right. So everyone right. Had, who lived through the depression, so they just created, like you know, the the White City in Chicago Expo. In the you know, right. like it's just like we just created a fantasy, to right. fill that void, and we have compare, the money like now. The, so let's do if it. If you
3: compare the twenties, which were a rich period for us, not up until twenty nine, obviously, like. The twenties were an incredibly rich period for us, and we were like, used like spending money like no tomorrow, and it's great, and everyone's having a great time. It wasn't morally constrictive like the fifties were, like it wasn't like well, they banned like alcohol. The well, yeah, no, they absolutely, they did, right? But like that comes around, like that comes around, uh, like that rolls in as part of uh, the uh, the Great Depression half of that century, half of that decade, right? And like the Roaring Twenties, the Roaring Twenties for a reason because you know, there's fucking booze galore and everyone's having a grand old time and everyone's got money. And, uh, like, so we had the dough, but we were much more liberal about how we applied it. Whereas in the 50s, we had not just the dough, we had total world control. Like, we had it, like, nobody else was left. America won. <laughs> you know, like, England was beat to shit. And, like, nobody else was really on firm ground except us, and we wanted to, uh, es- like both hold that and pretend like it had always been that way you know and so there's a mythology there's a self-built mythology aspect to the richness of the 50s that i think is uh well meaning but partially false and i think that there's like you know when you see david lynch works a lot with this stuff like much of his imagery comes from the 50s because that's when he grew up and he sees the same thing that i see in pleasantville like there's a like there's a there's a goodness and there's a realness to um, David Lynch's home life when he was growing up in the Midwest. And that that aspect of the 50s comes through. But also the trauma of the 50s comes through in his movies. You know, like the stuff that leaks out, he embraces that and makes it a part of his art. And uh, whereas like in the actual 50s, we're trying to show as many Doris Day movies as we can. I always felt like, like the, like the way the,
2: the things in the 60s with all the kids, the younger generation in 60s, is because they believed all the bullshit their parents told them. And once Kennedy right. was shot, you saw his brains all over the back of that car, you're right. like, oh my God. And then they felt they felt uh, betrayed. betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Totally, totally. Absolutely. You know? And uh, they didn't,
3: you know, they never had a chance to look behind the curtain. Well, it's like that. I, I mean, as you know, I've said it before, like, I'm not big on, uh, I don't endorse generational conflict. I think that's kind of bullshit. Like, uh, but... Well, the the one of the strong memes this past year was "Okay, Boomer," right? And uh, and I can see you can see where it comes from in that you know like the this the, the 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 bad aspects of the Boomer generation of the selfishness and the you know like the the corporate greed and the not paying attention to the future, all that stuff. Like I I try to remind the younger people I know, yeah, my kids and whatnot, that. That generation was the hopeful ones, like they started out as the flower children, like they were like putting gun- flowers in the guns and they were protesting for peace and all that stuff. And if you're not careful, you can become the bitter generation, you know. And that's what because that's what happened to the boomers. Like they couldn't deal with uh, the trauma they were faced with. They wanted to believe that everything, people were good and everything was fine and uh ultimately they watch what engine. i was
2: telling you guys about the last time give me shelter and when yeah. you see it's all those kids squashed against the stage all yeah. all screwed you know totally bombed out of their minds and right. you know that guy gets killed Dead guy. And you, yeah. yeah and they're just like "Ugh, let's keep the show going it's yeah. just like you fail it's horrifying yeah because it's you're totally selfish horrifying. twats so yeah. I, I don't know i'm
3: but that's the thing that everyone has to be careful of, right? It's like you, like your best intentions. Like you like you may feel like you're fighting the good fight and being the good person, but if you if you become too uh, selfish in how you approach it, like you can be as bad as anybody else is. Yeah. You know? Yes, that's pretty much
2: American politics since the yeah. '60s.
3: And that's and that's what we're stuck in right now. And I and i and my my great fear is that we're that both quote sides are reinforcing this in each other. And, uh, and that's the... Uh, oh, someone's walking in with tea. Thank you very much. That's beautiful. Thank um, you. But it's, it's really wonderful to see something like Pleasantville, which argues for things to be... Uh, for, that re- for realizations to happen and openness to happen uh, and de- diffusing that kind of nonsense to happen.
0: Well, uh. also that there is the world outside of Pleasantville. Yeah, I exactly. mean, that's really the thing. Not, right? not being like, afraid of that. What's right. outside
2: of Pleasantville? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, I guess silly. my issue with Pleasantville is that they, they tie it up in a box, in a bow at the end, which is spoon-fed, which is, you know, you don't trust the audience enough to take away something, you know, you have to spoon-feed them the ending. Right. In something. I feel you. I,
3: I disagree, but I understand where you're coming from.
0: I definitely know what you're talking about. But, like, that's, that's the thing I also have. It's, like, you know, people argument, like, what's outside of Pleasantville? Nothing. And this is something that a lot of people both on the left and the right have been pointing to each other, right? Yeah. There's right. people, like what you know like you don't realize there's something outside of idaho or whatever and then at the same time it's like you don't realize there's something outside of fucking silver lake right yeah exactly (laughs) Exactly. it's the same argument so like just you have to realize the only way you're going to uh uh, come to this realization is like go out and reach out and listen yes listen and the division is what's been really bad obviously so yeah, because, I don't know like, it, we're going to solve that
2: problem. Uh, everyone well, just yeah. wants to be in a country club. Yeah. Everyone wants to be in a club or something. That to... that,
0: that that are people yeah, like people that. Like yeah,
2: right. and so it's that it's that country club, East Coast country club mentality spread out throughout. And in the end, country clubs are a waste of time.
3: Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, like being exclusionary doesn't help you. <laughs> like like that's that's dumb. And like it's I mean this is like the 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 result in like american film and american fiction right now is like what we were just we were talking about separately from the show is when we were uh texting back and forth about um um uh, uh soft science fiction when you guys were asking like what <laughs> right. I said. Right. like the like i cuz we saw the trailer for foundation for apple tv and like yep. it, may, it may end up being great it may i I mean like just from the we're only talking from the trailer that i was like it looks pretty but there's something sort of self-righteous about it that I'm, that I'm not reacting well to, you know. Mm. And there's, there's a kind of fiction and fantasy that we have the, now that, we, that really endorses us, meaning, you know, the, the target audience, uh, as the hero. And the movie is there to reinforce that you are the hero. And I don't think right. that's a really healthy attitude. Um, have you guys and, read the books? I did, yeah, many times. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. First, the first three anyway, and I, re- I think I read two more past that, but the first three are right. great, and uh, and they're very much about like there's no there's no like heroes in those books. Like they're they're basically a collection yeah, well, of short stories. Well, I don't
0: think there is, and then there's the mule.
3: Yeah, and like and the, the mule who and is the mule Donald Trump. is Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and uh, and like it's it's how we all react to this, you know, and and it's how we. It's, a, it's about um, uh, coming together to make better choices um, as opposed to one side is right or one side is wrong. Like, the goal and foundation is like this dude, Hari Seldon realizes, for, this is explaining for the audience, like, the, uh, r- is a mathematician and he's done, he's done these calculations that say that the, the great empire that they're in, the great space empire, is going to collapse uh, and lead to an era of bar- barbarism that's going to last for 12, 13,000 years and uh, a so years. a thousand years whatever it is well like the, the i think um, the original estimate is like is is quite high it's like ten thousand years and then they said okay. so we want to try and stop that oh and right, right, people right right fought, so we're, right. we're going to change things to only reduce it to a thousand years we're going to reduce it to a thousand years <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. there's no stopping it it's already falling but if we can try to uh, uh vouchsafe this information and this care for things that are important Uh, of how we connect as a society and hold these ideals together uh, then we can reduce the pain and suffering to a thousand years only. Mm -hmm. And I think that if they they do that correctly for this show, then it's a very timely show to make. Like it's a really good show. Yeah, because it's
0: interesting because the whole point is like, okay, so we already predicted that something's going to happen. So he already is like Based on normal trends, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go through your ups and downs, your progressive periods, your, 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 your conservative periods, et cetera, et cetera, and you're going to be here. And he's, yeah. uh, he's predicted it based on statistics or whatever. He's an mm-hmm. economic uh, uh, sci- mathematician, right? Mm-hmm. So they follow this mathematician's uh, 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 basically prophecy. It's a prophecy. Uh, and and they do that, and he comes back every couple hundred years to say, okay, at this point you're here, so now you need to follow this. But basically what he's trying to do, as you mentioned, is reduce the thousand years, or the 20,000 years of barbarism down to a thousand years, which is very interesting because every couple chapters you go through multiple generations of people as you go through the whole process. But then what's interesting is when you get to the fourth book, some weird ass guy comes along, it takes control over the galaxy and his name is the the uh the mule the mule and basically he has some weird superpower and the whole point of Sheldonism is that the galaxy is so big that no one person can disrupt it in right. in, a, in, a, in a, any way you're right. always always going to average out over multiple hundred years and then this one guy comes along disrupts the entire plan and then they he gives his prophecy to trump Huh? yep exactly He gives his prophecy in terms of what's going to happen it turns out yeah. none of it's wrong and none of it's right because like what the fuck happens like because this one guy came along Right. And basically fucked everything up. I mean, Donald Trump, Adolf Hitler, they're all the same thing. Like, they basically came along and it's like, nope, I'm going to disrupt the whole system because I have one thing going on. And, he, and that is one, one person can make a massive difference, not always for the positive in terms right. of the global, uh, a global right. situation. So, Yeah.
3: yeah and, like the, and, and so, like, this, this, if they did it right, this, this uh, could be a really profound thing to make for Apple. Um, and, but be. like, as you as you pointed out, like the way they chose to advertise it was the front end of the ad is just like, just like Isaac Asimov, Apple is a visionary. <laughs> and you're like, oh no! I was like, I, I almost threw <laughs> up because this is such an important
0: piece of sci-fi, and they're mm-hmm. presenting it as a giant ad for Apple products. And I'm yeah. like, you fucked up. If you're yep. going to be in the entertainment industry, and you're basically just going to present me would apple products right. then 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 no no
3: right yeah. that's that's some silly but business. once
2: they go to the arm processors chris that's a big yeah, that's it. game changer it's, come on matter.
3: <laughs> but that's like that's the thing dude it's like there's there's a, there's a bunch of uh, uh, fiction of that time period because dune has a lot of this as well because ultimately dune is about uh, uh, despotism as well you know, and by the time you get to and God ARM Emperor, processors and Apple computers and ARM processors, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 Dune, branding. like Dune has its own Donald Trump character in God Emperor of Dune, and so when I, that that uh, Denis Villeneuve is uh, approaching that series as well, I think like someone's going to get this story right because we're very aware that it's happening for us. Then I think that like right. the best way to approach it is don't look for heroes that make you feel good look for um, things that make you think about what you're doing and the choices you're making. Like, those, are, those are not just more interesting stories to me right now. I think they're more necessary stories to tell. And, uh, and to, to be aware that like, the villains that you create out of other people, you know, and the, the way you dehumanize them and two-dimensionalize them, um, like, those are the things that you end up fighting when you create your own foes this way. And so if you look at movies even like, you know, uh, like look at Peggy's Who Got Married where she learns this sort of even-handed view of the characters that she knew in high school. She went back thinking they were caricatures and then realizes that they're people, you know. Uh, In Pleasantville, like even though they're villains and they're black and white villains, they come to a depth of shading and understanding that you want them to be happy and free also. And if we can do that, then we'll be free of this fucking mess. But the more that we get uh, diddled by Trump's tweets and get excited and make everybody else into bad guys, the more he controls what we do. And that's my, 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 my greatest... The thing I say that pisses people off is everyone's like, Trump's an idiot, Trump's an idiot. Like Trump may be an idiot in actual physical brain reality, but you have to admit that he's beaten us at everything all the time. Like, so he is a genius, at least in the way that Ebola is a genius. (laughs) Like Ebola may be dumb as a fucking stone. COVID may be dumb, but it certainly is effective. And if we don't start acting properly, we're fucked. Like that's true with COVID-19 and it's true with Donald Trump. Get your shit together.
0: The fact that that the idiot that you talk about has so much control over your life, should be telling in yeah. terms of what your life has become.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: So,
0: that's the
3: 50s. Yeah, it is, man. <laughs> going through it again. <laughs> I'm waiting for the first TikTok uh, filmmaker to make this generation's Easy Rider. That's what we're going to need.
2: That guy <laughs> I saw today was damn good. The guy from Georgia. Yeah. Did you see his TikTok? No, I no. did not. What is it? Oh, um, Ted sent it to me. I'll send it to you guys. He just yes, does please. a little special effects reel, but he's, like, doing... Uh, he's so talented. Um, That's amazing.
3: Yeah, it's... It's uh, like VFX gags? TikTok VFX?
2: No, I'll tell you his name. It's, um... It is... Hold on. Please stand by. Tom Broker. Um... Oh, I got your Grizzly Man stuff, too, guys. Did you get my (laughs) pictures today? The other day. I I sent you a bunch
0: of pictures today. Julian Bass. Mm -hmm. Julian Julian Bass. Bass. Okay. Okay. He's from Georgia? Georgia? Yep. The state or the country? State. Okay.
2: Hollywood Reporter.
0: Um... Um, did you get my did you get my pictures for grizzly man
1: because
2: you asked for a bunch of pictures i got them images okay. for grizzly man
3: got it i can't wait to see these these are gonna be funny
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i did the uh two already or i okay. sent you guys two already uh the the one on me with a bear you oh, riding that's... the bear like like, yeah, so like,
0: like uh like putin is pretty amazing
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should That's use good. it for the teaser. And the one with Dan with the bear is good too. The, the one oh, with I Dan with wait. the bear is
0: excellent, but you riding the bear is awesome. And then the <laughs> one you mocked up of, you know, it'll be out uh uh I don't know. Yeah, it'll be out before this this podcast goes out. So the one that you said, you know, there's a picture of a bear coming out in a river and then you said I want Dan here coming with out, out of the shirt water and wet hair. I'm like oh, my God, I can't wait to see what that picture looks like. And it's, I haven't uh, seen it yet. It's bold. It's gonna I, I
3: think it's going to be bold. <laughs> yeah. And
0: then <laughs> yes. you asked for us sitting in the grass and behind with the bears, and I tried to give you it was good. The, the most coquettish pi- picture of me possible. It's um, good. That's the yeah, adjective I always I was... think
3: of when I think of you, Chris. Coquettish. Yeah. <laughs> coquettish. Yeah. Coquettish.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um.
3: Because
0: no, Lily, li- Lily took all those pictures. She says, okay, I'll pose you. And I was like, all right, I'm going to pose. like, you want to pose like that? It goes, yes, I do. I do want to pose like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Dan with the bear is it. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I, w- I, I listened
0: to that podcast. I to that. It's really good. Uh, um, you guys yeah, should, felt like you good guys good should listen to Martini Giant. It's a really good podcast. You guys should check it out. It, it is actually to interesting to, to to hear it, like you know, several weeks after we record it and and hear what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to to hear that.
3: Yeah, it felt, sure. it felt like a good episode when we were recording it. I'm sure that um, that it, it turned out pretty good. And yeah. Anytime you're talking Herzog, I know that it's going to be good.
0: I think I think what's different, you know, the thing, you know, post post COVID or whatever. When when we're hanging out together, we tend to goof around a lot more somehow. The very slight latency between our, our, our dialogues has not enabled us. Or maybe it's just our situation. I don't know. It's it It's because we're to living in an alternate
3: reality. That's terrible.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> well, the, it's it's the jokes. The jokes don't land right, so I can't like. I basically gave up on on doing like previously on the podcast. Like we actually have great podcast episodes. We just don't have the one liners that we used to because sure. like there's too much time between our jokes. So, like we, we need the immediacy for it to work. It's all about yeah. t- t- time t- time t- time t- time time timing timing timing.
2: Back, that was directed towards me, because I, I provided a lot of those zingers. You did. You were a and zinger you're, you're, master, you're, my friend.
0: You're, you're providing gold still, as terms of information. I was pretty quiet one-liner. tonight. Yeah. Not all, But you've been drawing a lot, so I want to know what those are about.
2: Nah, I'm just drawing <laughs> pictures of David Lynch. But I just, the thing is, uh, I, have, I put some zingers in. I, I like those movies. A- I liked uh, Peggy Sue. Yep. But here's a question yep. for you guys. and It's a serious question. It's like, you look at all the struggles Coppola had, um, and essentially there's a medium where it's just, you can't really exercise that medium a lot. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You make a couple films or a few films, and then it's not like drawing or writing.
3: Right, right. Well, and it's certainly, like, in those days, you know, when Coppola was doing his big stuff, when Chimino was doing his big stuff, like, I don't know if that's... I don't know when that's going to happen again. Like, that's a absolutely unique position. You know, where the, the studios are just bankrolling whatever the hell you're doing. Like, that's a very rare event. Like, yeah, when's the last I, apocalypse Yeah, I'll tell you now? guys
2: off camera, like, the, the meetings I had this week, and I kind of was like... I'll tell you off camera, but it was. I'll tell you, Dan, off camera, and Chris, but I just, you know, I just, I, I think I answered it earlier. Whereas, like, I like to have that energy every day of creating, but if you're like Coppola, he hasn't made a film in how many
3: years? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. He did a couple of experimental, and like Tetra is pretty good. I like that. I love uh, Tetra. Yeah, Tetra's good. And what a great um, film. And Twixt uh, was an interesting experiment, um, but he's you know, he hasn't gotten back to formal filmmaking in, in uh, a fair while. And uh, I, I I know that he's still uh, like he still has this uh, mega sci-fi movie in mind uh, called thing? Metropolis, all the Megalopolis yeah. or Metropolis, whatever it is. Yeah, it's
2: all glass. All the buildings are glass.
3: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and uh, he still wants to do it. Sounds and like he's a th- ray tracing
0: nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
3: Uh, but uh, there was some movement on that recently, like in the past few months, uh, just just prior to COVID. So we'll see where that goes. It'd be interesting to see him like handle one more giant thing. But he's uh, he's pretty up there now. He's definitely uh, you know he's on the uh, he's in the Clint Eastwood years <clears throat> age wise. It's would be interesting to view if you can pull off one more big gag.
2: Hmm. Be
3: nice. But certainly, like his his sort of fallow years, you know, when he's making movies like Jack and the Rainmaker and you know, just like that, they're still good movies. They're okay, you know. He's just they're just regular '90s Hollywood product, and with a little mm-hmm. bit of skill, you know. Uh, and I think that Peggy Sue is probably yeah, the last. He was basically one he really saying,
2: felt. "I'll play fair," yeah, because he got beat up after so many of those movies. Um, yeah. and he, I think, went from the heart. He put all the money up. From his studio, Him. yeah, himself. Uh, so, yeah. So I think Peggy Sue was a touch of that, where it's like, "I'll play fair." Oh, you want that in? That's great. Nick Cage, you want to play that? Okay, go ahead. You know, right. I'll put my daughter in. Yeah. And you know, the last time he put he put his daughter in Godfather Three. Yep,
3: It didn't work.
2: Didn't work. It did not as much work. As I love her.
3: Actually, yeah, mar- marvelous wow. director. Not a very good actor, but a marvelous director. I thought she was beautiful in Godfather yes, no, I mean, like, 3. So yeah, yeah everyone she's thought not was
2: even... Crazy. I was like, no, she's gorgeous.
3: No, I think, and the thing is, I mean, I think for, through most of the movie, she's actually pretty good, you know, like, in terms of her yeah. performance. It's just the final scene with Pacino that nobody is hitting their marks right. And, like, you need that to work when she's, like, dying on the steps and stuff like that. And she's like, Daddy! You're, like, it all just falls flat as a brick. And that's why people hate that performance, like... And it's not really her fault. That's Coppola's fault. No, like he didn't. He didn't pull, he put it, put pull it together. It, yeah. yeah, he put her so in. it. Wasn't it Winona Ryder? Yeah,
2: and yep. she backed out.
3: And she backed out. And and the thing is, I man, like it, it's not a great script, so it's never going to be a great movie. But like once once you start, it's like the uh, you know we always talk about with VFX. Like if you have a bad movie, you blame the VFX. Like you, they had a bad movie, and so they blame Sophia Coppola for it. Yeah, people blame Sophia Coppola. Like it's not her fault. It's an okay movie that you want it to be as great as the first two, and it just never quite gets up to speed. But there's still good stuff in it. And, like, Garcia is really good, and, uh, you know, like, a couple of the the set-piece murder scenes are really good, and uh, Montaigne is good. Um, But it's just that when you land a movie on a false note, like, that's the only thing you can think of when you leave the theater, and that's what dominates the narrative of talking about it.
2: Right. Hmm yeah it was a good choice though guys was was a good choice tonight time travel part Um, two time travel part two was good peggy sue was great it's good to see yeah Yeah, i
0: thought it was i thought it was really cool to to do that and you know i you know especially you know in our time when we're when people are nostalgic for the 50s and really need to think about the what the 50s really mean yeah um and, and and are are you really nostalgic for the 50s or is it something else that's, that you need to be thinking about? So those yeah, films are very fact. good about sort of putting those things to light. Peggy Sue Got Married is actually yeah, – yeah, yeah. what's interesting, uh, the thing I like the most about it is that it was much more subtle than the other ones, right? Like Pleasantville is like, no, it's not Oh, no, It's, not it's, not it's right there in the face, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Right, really and, then, and then says, if you, <laughs> even
0: if you look at Back to the Future, is like – yeah, it's a goofball, stupid. Like they basically make fun of the fifties in a lot right. of ways, right? Right. Uh, but in Peggy Sue Got Married, is like it was way more subtle. There was there was a lot of granularity to it, so it was a, it was it was better. She way.
2: was a very relatable character. Yes, she was. Yeah, she was yeah, a divorced woman going through that tense, nervous, and uh you know everyone has success around her seems like it. And and she made a mistake, right? And uh, people relate to that. She was yeah. very human, and she was very real, and that's why you didn't need all the hooks of like, how did you get there? It's just take me there. Maybe right. I can kind of fix my life up.
3: Well, what I really Figure loved about out, what I remember. really loved about uh, Peggy Sue is that, like, you know, I I think it's you know my overall on that it is it's it's like it's a it's a good movie on the on the balance uh, that's made up of great stuff and. You know stuff that just that is a little bit longer in the tooth than other stuff it's a it's an unbalanced movie to me, and I think that's where Coppola was at but the uh The good thing about the movie is that it feels like it's going to be a studio product when actually it's more of an experimental film mm-hmm. and uh, sure, the room sure. the, the The room that Coppola gives it to have those realizations be the audience's instead of you know written out and delivered to you. Is really satisfying and like it's uh, like I can criticize it for being you know uh, a little pat in some ways and a little bit un a little shapeless in others, but it's like the the overall is that it's a very trusting movie towards the audience and lets the audience have the realization in a way that most movies just don't. And uh, yeah, and I think that uh, like what the, what Cage does with the thing, what Kathleen Turner does yeah, with yeah,
2: that thing, Cage scene in the yard that's the whole that's the, so genius. Really good. Stuff. It's like you can. St- well, Pleasantville
3: did not have moments like that as strong as that. Well, Pleasantville, yeah, Pleasantville is a different kind Ple- Pleasantville is a very very Hollywood movie in its execution. It's TV and, you're uh, right, you're right. and it's, it's like a TV it's very it's it's director very f- making it a, a feature. Film. Yeah, like but I think it's I think it's better made than TV. I think it's like I think it's a real movie movie through movies. Of my course it is, but back. the point is the
2: hooks it, and some of the gimmicks are TV. Yeah, like the,
3: the setup is, like, like, we can all agree that the first 15 minutes, like, I, if I didn't know the movie was going to get good, I'd turn it off. Like, it seems bad. Uh, right. And it's an, it's an actively bad movie for, you know, that 15. Um, but if you can get through the useless, needless TV junk setup uh, and adapt to what it's saying, then suddenly all this depth and skill appears, mostly in the form of incredible character acting. Um, and I really—that's—that's that's where the movie totally sings for me. It's a—it's a good movie in terms of its production. And but by the way, movie in terms of the mother—the mother in Pleasantville
2: went to the Talia Shire School of uh, hysterical mothers, crying mothers, <laughs> and it is
3: so. She was the top student. That and is a, That's she, a tough. They—they uh, they have tough uh, instructors there. They have James. They have uh, the, they, the other cool thing about
2: uh, Peggy Sue mm-hmm. was. There was a guy I used to go see in New York, and he used to play at the Ritz and stuff. And he was just—he had a great band, and his brother was on drums. And it was Marshall Crenshaw, and Marshall was the—and his band and his brother were the uh, band at the uh, high school uh, party in Peggy Sue. <laughs>
3: That's great. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that a
2: lot. Marshall Crenshaw—he did—he did that one song like someday somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I know this. Yeah, he was a big low downtown New York guy. Yeah. He played Buddy Holly in La Bamba. He played Buddy right. Holly in La Bamba. That's right. And, but he also, he just was a great uh, 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 singer-songwriter. He was John Lennon in Beatlemania, the original Beatlemania. Oh, wow.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. he was
2: totally channeled the to Beatles, but he used to play these clubs downtown. I used to go see him. I used to go by myself. I loved it. Yeah, 'Cause it was just a tight band and they just played like old buddy Holly stuff. And his brother now, I was reading today, he's like a robotics expert. He left ah, drumming. Indeed. That's cool. And um but uh yeah. Marshall Crenshaw. It's
3: cool. And we can uh we all want to endorse, I think, that uh the if you want the sequel to Peggy Sue Got Married, the spiritual sequel, if you haven't seen Wild at Heart. What Rock and Good Time Lulu. <laughs> Rock good time Lulu. <laughs> 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 Say That's that a very different movie, <laughs> although very related.
0: It yes, is <laughs> yeah, it is mostly, uh, mostly it's mostly all about Nick Cage at this point.
3: Oh my God! Yeah, that uh, Nick Cage at his height—it's hard to beat that. It was his height. Yeah, he has. his all right, hand. i right, I'm he gonna, gonna call hand.
0: it, guys. Call it. All right, so, sounds good. Love it. it. Uh, a really good too. one. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank uh, you. Uh, good movies, fun movies to talk about. Um, but anyway we're going to do it alright let say it and drink Drink. top thank
1: you